Since Mary, Queen of Scotland, was a child, the English have wanted a country and a crown. She is sent to France to wed its next king to save herself and her people. A bond that should protect her, but there are forces that conspire. Forces of darkness, forces of the heart. Long may she reign. Hello, and welcome to Media Evil, a medieval pop culture podcast, where we talk about how medieval and medieval-inspired movies, TV, and books depict the medieval world. What did they get right? What did they get wrong? And what do they tell us about how modern people see the medieval past? I'm Sarah F. Decker, a medieval historian, and today I'm joined by Molly Lakovich to discuss season one of the CW show, Rain. So welcome, Molly. Hi, thank you for having me. I'm so excited to talk about Rain. Thank you so much for joining me. So why don't you get get us started by telling us a little bit about yourself and about why you wanted to talk about this particular show? Absolutely. So uh, many moons ago, when there was only two seasons of Rain out, my father and I were trying to pick a show to watch together, and I it was on Netflix, and I suggested that. I had heard of Mary, Queen of Scots referenced once in a Pretty Little mm-hmm. Liars episode and was like, oh, I want to watch a show about a queen. And he was bored. He didn't like it. So then within like a week, I had binged all of it. I knew nothing about any of the history like I knew vaguely when this was happening and who Queen Elizabeth was but I knew nothing about who Mary was but I loved the show so much and I loved how Adelaine Kane was playing Mary Mm -hmm. so much that just my ADHD was like we're gonna hyper fixate and I would just research her for fun and Mm -hmm. I started reading biographies about her for fun and I was like this woman is what's up and so then in 2018 I worked on a docuseries on my YouTube about monarchs like female monarchs I thought had been underrepresented or misrepresented mm-hmm. and I thought she had been underrepresented because there was rain but like there she was always just kind of like a minor character in mm-hmm. other movies and referenced and this was right when the the trailer had dropped for Saoirse Ronan's movie so I was like this is the time I got to talk to Dr. Anna Groundwater from the University of Edinburgh and mm-hmm. Dr. Kristen Post Walton from Salisbury University about her and just learned so much more about her, read more books about her, thought it was fascinating. And I now have a tattoo of her because I'm obsessed with her. I <laughs> I love her. I think she was an amazing person in history. And even I recently rewatched Rain in the summer. And even though it's like incredibly historically inaccurate, I just adore Adeline Kane as an actress mm-hmm. and how they wrote her. She has so many great one-liners and actually on my Mary Queen of Scots tattoo we have an, a line from Rain on it where mm-hmm. in one season I don't think it's the first it might be the first one where she says uh, do not test my power and do not tempt my fury mm-hmm. and I yeah I just yeah I just love her I love the show it's ridiculous but actually when I brought it up to Dr. Anna Groundwater who like covers the Stuart dynasty at the University of Edinburgh. Mm-hmm. I said how I learned about her was the show Rain. And Dr. Groundwater, you know, this professional Stuart historian was like, oh, it's the most marvelous program. Like she <laughs> loved it because it got people to learn who she was. Mm-hmm. When, you know, like most everyone knows who like Queen Elizabeth I yeah. was and like how that's happening. But so many people don't know like about her other than her connection to Elizabeth. Yeah. So I really loved this show. I, rem- I would watch it with like my girlfriend and her roommate 
roommates every we'd be like oh it's rain night it's tuesday it's rain <laughs> and we were so invested and yeah so when i start, started listening to your podcast and i saw you were doing a mix of like fantasy and things actually in the middle ages and things just like around the middle ages i was like it would be so fun if she talked about rain since it's such a hot mess of a show because <laughs> it is like it's so fun but it's ridiculous and when I went back and rewatched it after like years of researching this yeah. woman and I knew all the inaccuracy, because like I watched it the first time, I genuinely didn't know right. what was going to happen. I knew she married the king. So I knew like the made up mm-hmm. bastard son was, I was like, I would assume <laughs> if she's historically calm. <laughs> but watching it again, there were so many things I just found hilarious. Yep. There's times where it screams, this was written by a man. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love that they didn't even put Adeline Kane in a wig. They were like, whatever. Mary has Check out this raven hair. hair. <laughs> like, whatever. I, for real, when I started watching it, was like, I could have sworn that woman had red hair based on what little I knew. And when I, like, looked it up, I was like, okay, so this show really... I remember yeah, my dad, no. the two episodes he watched with me, he said, is that how they dressed back then? And I said, I don't think so. I don't feel like this is right. <laughs> Nope. Nope, it is not. Uh. My girlfriend's roommate in college would always be like, they would always be like, this is ridiculous. Who is costuming this? Forever 21? And we're like, probably. It really does seem like that. No, like they're all wearing prom dresses. And like, I remember like like interviews I watched about the show is like they had always set out for it to literally look like that because they wanted to drive home the fact that they were teenagers. Like the costumer and the writers and directors talked about at the time the show came out how so many like there weren't any like shows about monarchies that were targeted at at teens specifically and people in their 20s and so even when you cover stuff like the Tudors, you know Anne Boleyn was like barely in her 20s when she got there but you always like view them as like older because you know these people get to run a country but she was like a teenager running a country Mm -hmm. and he was a teenager running a country and so they were like by costuming them in like this anachronistic way of like modern teenagers playing at being in a castle it made it very clear to the audience like wow these countries are letting teenagers make the decisions inexplicably right and it does very much have this gossip girl but in 16th century france overall vibe which i found baffling but fascinating i think it does a good job though of getting across how absurd it was that we would just be like yeah, this child can run a nation. It's fine. Because, like, you can't even drink now until you're 21. And back then, they were like, you should be in charge of armies, I think. Yeah, like, you're 14. That's you old should, enough, right? Who You decide who lives and dies, I think, actually. Like, I think that's a good call. That seems good. This This seems normal and fine. So one of the reasons, actually, that I do venture on occasion into early modernity in this show is because my journey toward becoming a historian actually started with reading in general about a lot of English history, and in particular English royal history, in advance of a family trip to England, because I'd always liked history, but I never really done European history because schools make Mm -hmm. us do too much American history in the United States. Oh, yeah. And basically started in a kind of combination of medieval and early modern stuff and never really left. Mm -hmm. But I still just have such strong memories of uh, on that trip and a trip the following year uh, of being in England and in Scotland and seeing a lot of the sites associated with Mary uh, as well as with Elizabeth Mm -hmm. and with the wives of Henry VIII, who I'm also very, Mm -hmm. very fond of and interested in. Oh, yeah, same, same. 
So I came into this, I would say, not necessarily being an expert in quite in Mary in particular, but certainly knowing enough generally about the period to immediately be like, what is happening yeah. here? Oh, yeah. No, yeah, my dad, who watched the first few episodes with me, knew nothing about how monarchies work. And so, you know, like, in the second episode, when, like, those two children are, like, getting betrothed, my dad was, like, horrified. And I'm like, yeah, that's what happened. (laughs) Yeah. And he was like, what? Like, he couldn't Why are these nine-year-olds getting married and getting engaged? Well, yeah, I mean, like, she was an infant. And they were like, you're a queen? And you're going to marry this guy. (laughs) Like, Like, you're fine. It's good. It's good to go. Yeah. And I also will say that I have a weird fascination with and sort of love of Catherine de' Medici, uh, who is obviously a very controversial figure and certainly a very ruthless figure, although I'll have lots to say about her as we go Mm -hmm. on and the things that I like and the things that I'm kind of mm, on in terms of how this show portrays her. But I have a lot of issues. Once I knew the history and I went back and watched it, I was like, a man wrote this. Yes, but I do. I did really enjoy a lot about her character, oh, yeah. and uh, really just loved seeing her on screen. She was so much fun. Yeah, if you go to watch like the later seasons, she gets even more and more prominent, and like you get even more about her and her and Mary like having a relationship. It's great. It's yeah. she's very fun. But it's clear in this first season they were like. How do we write about two women? I know they'll hate each other. And it's yeah, like that. Obviously. Okay, that's there's no evidence of that, but Right. And I will have a lot to say also at various points later about other relationships between women, Kaff, mm-hmm. Diane de Poitiers, and Catherine Kaff, which are not quite the expected mm-hmm. that you see in this show. Mm-hmm. But we'll we'll get into all of that. A few just details about our cast. So Rain was first uh, started in the 2013-2014 season is when it was first on TV. And season one is the is all we'll be discussing today because that is all I have watched thus far, though I am curious and I think might watch more. It stars Adelaide Kane as Mary Queen of Scots, Megan Follows as Catherine de' Medici, There's a number of other people, of course, in the main cast. Uh, I will say I have not heard of or seen any of them in anything with the exception of Rosie Sutherland, who plays Nostradamus, who is Donald Sutherland's son and also was in the movie Timeline, which I covered for this. Toby Regbo, who is Francis and uh, Torrance Combs is Basher, like pretty big Canadian Okay. They've been a lot of Canadian stuff. I believe Torrance Combs was actually in an episode of The Tudors, if I'm not mistaken. Oh, funny. Yeah, he was. He played the guy that, if you got as far enough to see Catherine Howard, he was the guy that she was, like, in, unfaithful to her husband with. Oh, she, um, he was uh, Thomas Culpepper. Yeah, yeah, that's his name. That's who he played. Terrible person in that. They have, like, a scene where he rapes somebody. I was okay. like, wow, they took a turn. Yeah, they've been in... um. Nothing huge, but they've been in a lot of, like, other smaller things. Mm-hmm. This was kind of, like, well, like, just, like, Adelaide Kane. This was her big role, too, and now right. she's been in more stuff. I follow her on TikTok. I love her. I think she's stunning, amazing. She's, she's actually Aust- She's Australian in real right. life. Did you know that? Yeah. I saw that I, I was looking love- that up. Her accent is not bad. Everyone's doing a generic, um, they're pulling like the Game of Thrones accent well, where yeah, it's like but... kind of British yeah. because no one's speaking in French, obviously. Just that one random girl, Olivia, in the first few Right, that she has a French, French accent, accent <laughs> which is like Nobody kind else. of jarring. Nobody else. 
everyone else is doing that game of they're doing the fantasy land accent of like we're in the past so and Nostradamus has an interesting accent yeah he's like I'm mysterious and yeah. that's his way of talking and he actually did also in timeline play a uh, a French character and did like oh, wow. an actual okay. French accent for that which I feel like he's almost doing here but not quite yeah yeah, yeah. everyone's doing like just Something that, like, us Americans who aren't historians, we're like, that sounds right. Yeah. <laughs> like, that sounds like how they spoke back in the day. Right. And at least they're all sort of the same. I find it very jarring when I see things where there are people with yeah. this just wild range of accents. They do have a couple of people, though, in this who pop up very briefly who are supposed to be Scottish and then just have, like, heavy Scottish accents. Yeah, that's when it's weird is when people show up to talk to her. And, I mean, people have argued that whether or not she would have had a French accent since she lived in the convent in France from such a young age that she might have had a French accent for most of her life until Mm -hmm. she moved back to Scotland and then her native Scottish accent took over. But, yeah, I remember, like, the episode where all the the Scotsmen come, they all just sound so heavy Scottish, like, and I'm like, oh, well, now it's weird, because (laughs) she's talking like she's English. That did make sense to me, that her accent marks her as at least connected to the French court, as opposed to being, to sounding Scottish. Yeah, because she was only five, so it makes sense to me that if she, that she would have kind of lost any It gets really indistinguishable, though, in later seasons, when Mm. we do start seeing the English court, because we're like, so just everyone's got a British accent. Yeah, they're just all British, it's fine. Don't worry about it. This show was made for Americans. They were definitely like, I don't think we're pulling in a UK audience with this one. (laughs) Certainly not a French audience. Can you imagine like the English watching this? They'd be so mad. Like, excuse me. (laughs) Slander (laughs) against Queen Elizabeth. The girl who played, yeah, Anna Popplewell, who played Lola, was in The Lion, the Witch, and the Wardrobe. Oh, oh, is she Susan? Susan? That's right. I just processed that. Yeah. yeah, that was the first thing I noticed when I watched this show. I was like, wait, hold on. And I got out like IMDb and I'm like, that's what I thought. <laughs> yeah, she's from Narnia. The one other actor actually that I know, and I do not remember his name, but uh, the uh, when at some point we have uh, Lord Julian pop up in the last few episodes, oh, yeah. I'm currently yeah. watching Grey's Anatomy and oh, I just yeah. immediately screamed, Andrew DeLuca is here. It's amazing. It's I'm amazing. so excited to see him. It's quite a show. It's quite a cast. I think it's very well cast, too. I think everyone is perfect in their roles. Yeah, I think like, people do a good job. I especially think Adelaide and Megan are just amazingly cast as yeah, Catherine and Mary. Megan like, they, they're carrying the show on their back. Like, whenever anyone else is giving, like, kind of a weak performance, those two just swoop. And the scenes that are the two of them are, like, such intense powerhouse scenes. It's amazing. Yeah, definitely. Astounding. And Love they it. are fairly young they're not quite as young as they suppose they're supposed to be but uh the the teens i mean but like adelaide kane for example would have been 23 when this was filmed Mm -hmm. which as as hollywood goes you know or as uh you know film and tv go i feel like you know to a 23 year old playing a 16 year old yeah that's pretty on the new that's pretty on the nose like for what yeah they all look like they're in their 20s and they're supposed to be like in their late teens i think toby who's playing francis looks like a teenager though i think he's much more passable i mean and he was younger than her in real life if i recall correctly 
They have, like, I think they have the one episode where they make a joke about how he actually was, like, sickly looking in real life. Right. Where she's like, everyone says you're sickly. And he's like, oh, one bad portrait in the whole world. (laughs) I was cracking up during that scene. I'm like, all right, Francis, with your undescended testicles, like. Yeah, like, you can tell the writers knew the history and uh-huh. just didn't care a lot. I th- it's different than, like, where, in, like, I love Six, the musical, but, you know, like, they were candid that they did almost no research. Oh, yeah. They were like, we read a book, and we're like, I have an idea. Like, it's obvious these people knew the history because it seems really purposeful where they deviate from it. Mm-hmm. And the parts where they acknowledge that they're ignoring the history like that is so funny to me. I yeah. love that part. There's a line, actually, at some point that Bash says, something about being worried that he'll be forgotten I'm like is that a joke because he doesn't exist yeah, and they're not real. Forgotten him? yeah and it's like because if he had like this you know it'd be one thing if this man had like a bunch of bastard sons like it's probable that kings had those but it's like we would know if him with his like very specific mistress his that very like, long-term mistress and if they yeah, did have a son a, he absolutely would have recognized him and he would have gotten titles and all of that yeah, like this isn't a john snow scenario like yeah. people would have known if this guy existed yeah people would have yeah. known a lot and that's pretty common among european royalty that there are that there are often bastard sons that yeah because you know depending on what the relationship is with the mother and other factors, it's not uncommon for them to be recognized. And actually, at some point, Mary's uh, illegitimate yeah. half-brother pops up, who was recognized and who was titled. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. yeah, so that wouldn't have been rare. So if, if this person had existed, we would know about him. Well, this was in the era of like, we had come off of Twilight and we're in the middle of the Hunger Games. Mm-hmm. So this is very much like a YA show. Yeah. And love triangles were what Ooh, was in. Yes. And so they were like, we need to make one up. Where do we get it from? And they were like, there was, there's no evidence that she like loved anyone else. Mm-hmm. And she doesn't marry anybody else till much later in her life. So they were like, uh, time to create somebody. <laughs> and I yep. love that they went the way of not like the classic, oh, she fell in love with like a poor person or a servant. It was just like, actually, we're going to make up an illegitimate son. I think that's what we're going to do. I think and he's almost going to be the plot. king of France. Yeah, like, that makes sense. That was something where when I was watching it, I started Googling because I like had heard of her and Prince Francis and I was like, I'm pretty sure she doesn't marry this guy. And I like looked it up and I was like, okay, yeah, they made him up. I actually Googled because I was like, I was just like, this person doesn't exist, right? Like I would remember this person if he existed. Because it gets like really important, like halfway yes. through the scene. He starts out, well, this is back when like network TV would sometimes be like being written as it's releasing. So I definitely feel like they were like gauging how fans felt and were mm-hmm. like, oh, they like him, lean into that. This is also back when you had to watch like terrible pilots because if you right. watch like the pilot of Rain versus the rest of the season, it's hilarious. They're not even on the same set in the the pilot that they are in the other episodes like you that like sense. when you watch them like walking around inside the castle you never see those hallways again but it is funniest because like in the rest of the season there's like two hallways that you see them in they, they right. like are like they built two sets and they're like we got the main room with the thrones we have the hallway outside that room and the hallway by mary's room and that's mm-hmm. all anybody needs to see <laughs> like, We're good. they're like here's the kitchen but yeah and like and yeah, like Francis is in a room that he's never in again in the pilot. Everyone's hair looks different in the pilot. Right. <laughs> so looking. Yeah, and she just has her hair in her face, like the whole pilot. Because, you know, that's how you would look. 
Well, in general, I would say I'll, I'll talk more later about material culture, but in general, there is very little attention paid in particular for Mary and her ladies in waiting to, uh, to having anything even resembling historically accurate hairstyles. Oh, yeah. So. Yeah, no, for sure. Like, they have a lot of, like, boho, like, beads and ribbons going through their hair. I find it very funny. Yeah. And, like, braids and stuff. Again, it's something where in later seasons they leaned a little bit more into them looking somewhat... In later seasons, it felt more like a Hamilton thing. Like, they Uh looked historically accurate enough, Mm -hmm. but, like, their hair and everything wasn't. But, yeah, the first season was very much just, like, modern girls. If, like, modern girls were to be kings and queens and stuff now, how would they want to dress if they dressed fancy every day? And it would be in prom dresses and shit. (laughs) So that's And it basically is, like, Gossip Girl, where you have all of these really rich people who go to a lot of wild parties and get to dress up in very fancy, expensive clothing for it. And that is basically the vibe that we have, certainly of the women. The men are sort of... I so much about the women. The men each got, like, one doublet, and we're like, that's it. Because they knew there was not a male audience for this show. I have, to this day, never met a male fan of the show. It's also, like, weirdly, almost all the fans I've met are queer women, because, like, huh. I watched it in college with a bunch of queer girls, and um, my I creative partner, kind of Mar, loved the show. Yeah, I think it was just, like, because, like, there's nothing gay about the show, and yet it's, like, so camp, because it's yeah. so over the top, the way they're dressed, the way they're acting, like, it's so, I don't know, I've, I, like, I'm sure, there, I'm sure there's heteros out there who really enjoy the show, but it was, um... Yeah, I've never met men. I they, The thing is with the show is they immediately knew their target audience. Yeah. And they completely didn't care that they, you know, like a lot of times when things get marketed specifically to teenage girls, the creators still try to put stuff in it that can like bring in men. And this show was so like, much, no, yeah. they were like, we don't care. This is for teen girls. Yeah. And I was like, I guess I was like 19 when I started mm-hmm. watching it. And I was like, I was the perfect demographic when this came out. I was like, absolutely. Yes. Yeah. Like, Let's go immediately into this. Yeah, and I will say also as a bi woman, the women in this show are so much hotter than the men in this show. Oh like, my god, Francis—they're like, trying so hard to like have him oh, yeah. not look sickly, and I'm like, he still looks kind of sickly, and they I'm still, not yeah, here for this I don't situation. Think Bash is attractive. What at is Bash's all? haircut? What is Bash's uh, haircut? King like he Henry maybe is could not be attractive. attractive. No, King Henry is not attractive. I mean, and Megan Follows is so beautiful. Yeah, and it's and like, Marie de Guise is stunning. Like all of oh, the women are gorgeous. Women are all just full smoke shows, and then yeah. the men. Like I think They're Adelaide funny. Kate is so beautiful. Mm-hmm. I forget her name, but the actress who plays Kenna is yeah, stunning. stunning. Yeah, it's. It's such a show for, like, queer teenage girls, and it's amazing. It's so chaotic. It's so over the top. Yeah, the costumes are a mess, and that's what I... I just love that they don't even try. Oh, not at all. That's... That's because, you know, when something like uh, Bridgerton comes out, everyone and their mom has to be like, actually, historically, corsets. And this show was like, we don't care. No. We don't care. Don't worry uh, about it. They're going to be wearing a strapless sundress uh, with sequins, uh, even though the year is like 1500-something. Yeah. Like. That's what they wore in 1557. Uh, no, exactly. No, yeah. yeah. No, you can see it in, like, museums. Uh, yeah. 
So I really feel that I need to make sure to talk through, in case there are listeners who have not watched the show, I need Mm -hmm. to explain some of the plot line around the will-they-won't-they of (laughs) Mary and Francis's marriage. A marriage. It's hilarious which, yeah. that they did that. Oh, will they, won't they, with people who historically got married and ruled. And had been engaged since they were five. Or since but she was five like, and he was three. Yeah. And they're like, mm, I don't know now. I don't know. <laughs> right. So on his side slash his father's side, there is this question of well, do we actually think that this alliance with Scotland is a good idea, which basically gets resolved by the fact that at some point it suddenly occurs to them. I don't know why it took so long for this to occur to them, but it suddenly occurs to them that, oh, the Catholic Queen of England, Mary Tudor, is going to die soon, probably, and she doesn't have an heir, and she's getting to the point where she's probably not going to have an heir, and the next person in line is her Protestant half-sister, who one could argue is illegitimate. Ha, huh, I wonder if that could give Mary possibly a claim to the throne of England. Ha, huh, mm-hmm. cool. So they kind of suddenly discover that, and that takes it's care of It's weird how late they realize that they're like because I'm like yeah duh like she like and like I I think the world would have been a better place in the long run if Mary had ruled England because she was just historically like a kinder ruler who believed in like religious tolerance whereas Queen Elizabeth was like let's have Catholics disemboweled in the street for fun and it's like oh I don't love that and um but yeah it's so weird that they wait till like halfway through the season to be like, hold on now. Mm. Also, just like, didn't you want Scottish armies? Like, wasn't that part of your freaking alliance the whole time? And they're like, yeah. And they're like, nah, whatever. <laughs> also, the thing, by the way, that I just realized, I was actively angry during the first episode at the fact that they have uh, us watch. It's the first episode or the second that they have us watch the marriage and consummation of the marriage between Philip II and Elizabeth yeah. Valois. My thing that mm-hmm. I was annoyed about as I was watching it was really just, excuse me, excuse me, how dare you present this as this attractive young couple as opposed to a man who is probably like dour as fuck and terrible marrying a I didn't woman know 20 years about his them. junior. I hate Philip II, but I'm not going to get into all of those details. I mean, yeah, it may- that's not shocking. <laughs> but the other reason this is a problem is because uh, Philip II could not have married Elizabeth de Valois in the first episode of this show because he is currently married to Mary Tudor. <laughs> Don't worry about it. <laughs> Don't worry about it. This show actually takes place in an alternate timeline. Where right. But yes, but I like literally just processed theory. that. That I'm like, oh, right. They You're have like, wait, him hold on. get married like a hold solid on. two yes. years too early. I also just like that the first season covers such a minuscule amount of time. Yeah. And then it was like after that, they were like, maybe we should get moving if the show is supposed to span her whole adult life. And then the first season's just like... I swear to God, we're going, like, week by week. They're, like, and yeah. then Tuesday, like... Yeah. So the other big element in the will-they-won't-they they is that Catherine de' Medici, who is Frances's mother and who I think is just such a fascinating figure, she yeah. has this court astrologer, Nostradamus, <laughs> who is uh, known for various predictions, and I'll talk more about Nostradamus later as well. But in this, we have Nostradamus predicting to Catherine that if 
Francis marries Mary, that he will die a young death. And so Catherine is ridiculous. And so Catherine is like doing all of these convoluted plots to keep them from getting married to save Francis's life. That is the like the most absurd. First of all, I just accepted it the first time I watched it because I was like, all right, whatever. Royals were insane. And then once I like spent a year doing research and it was like all this evidence that they liked each other and respected one another. I was like, wow, the men were really writing the show like, all right, we're going to need some conflict here. We can't just be relying on the love triangle. Let's have women hate each other to an unrealistic degree and it gets funnier in later seasons because it's like you can tell the writers couldn't tell if they wanted to like abandon that or not Mm -hmm. because they'll they'll very aggressively flip-flop in later seasons from like finally starting to be friends and respecting each other to like just even in this season there's a lot of back and forth yeah it gets worse yeah where they kind of like each other and are allied and then it's like I'm going to murder all of your men and then you're going to slap me in the face. Yeah, they end up as friends in the end, but which they were the whole time, actually. That's just also hilarious that that's the pilot. Like, that's like the beginning of the show is Nostradamus having a vision and then being like, she's coming. (laughs) Like, and then they like show it. And I love the theme song. And I love, like, I have it on my iPod. It was playing, or no, I put my phone. I had an iPod back then because this was back in the day. But I have it downloaded and I play it all the time. And I, I have a Mary Queen of Scots playlist, but I played it before this. The song is literally called Scotland by the Lumineers. I'm pretty sure they wrote it for this. I would have said so, yeah. It slaps. It's great. And, like, I love, like, in later, like, episodes, they stop doing the Nostradamus narration. But I love when he's like, but there are forces that can forces of darkness forces, forces of, of the, the heart, heart. <laughs> long may she write like i love it it's amazing i it really like the, most, the narration it's so it's silly. so over the top and the fact that they and and it's like the footage they're showing looks like stock footage like of it just, really like, does and then later i'm like oh this scene actually was in the uh the intro weird it's hilarious it's an amazing over the top but yeah that the first episode he's like actually this whole thing you've been planning for well over a decade, it's going to kill your son. And she's idea. like, oh. She's like, yeah, cool. Oh, I'm shit. fine. I will stop it with my and so then in the pilot, and, and so then in the pilot episode, she has um, the boyfriend, essentially, of one of Mary's ladies, Lola. She says, like, the only way he can, like, stay in this court and marry Lola is if he goes and rapes Mary. Drugs and and rapes. He attempts to, like, roofie her. But she doesn't because because when she's getting ready, she hears a mysterious voice in the wall say, don't drink the wine. And so then when she's at the ball and this guy Colin hands her the wine, she remembers the voice and doesn't drink the wine. And I'm like, I just, I wish I'd been in this writer's room because it must have been insane. These people had like history textbooks out and were like, okay, but what if? And that brings in like the other hidden child Yes, well, because also, (laughs) given that there are supernatural-ish bits, I genuinely, for a while, was like, oh, is she just legitimately straight up, like, a ghost or something? Oh, yeah, I did, too. I thought it was a ghost. But then, yes, it it turns out that this is Catherine de' Medici's illegitimate daughter. Well, because she's, like, deformed, and they... Because she had this birthmark, which is, like, the family birthmark of the guy she was sleeping with, which also, by the way, I just saw this in another 
thing that I covered, and this is not a thing. Like, that's not actually how birthmarks work. Like, there aren't, like, it's distinctive like a real... family birthmarks that run across generations. <laughs> it's a real man in the iron mask situation. Yeah. It's her deformed child hiding in the walls, just warning Mary about her mom's nefarious bullshit. Right. Yes. And so we have, like, that whole situation. And eventually Catherine's last ditch final resort how I'm gonna stop this marriage is to just tell Mary it takes her a real long time to do that but to tell Mary and convince Mary of the prophecy and she's convinced also because Nostradamus makes another prophecy that one of her oh, ladies yeah, away, he, will die and she does because because yeah he said one of his his girls would never see, he told Ailey another one of her ladies she would never see her home again yeah and so then Ailey accidentally drinks poison that Catherine left for Kenna, Mary's other lady, yep. who's sleeping with the king, Catherine's yep. husband. And Ellie falls down the stairs. And the thing is, it's like not even the poison that's what kills her. It's, it makes her dizzy. And she falls down the stairs and hits her head on the stone and right. breaks out. Like maybe and the poison would have killed like, her eventually. But yeah, but at yeah, first they don't even know well, it's poison. And then they're like, and then I saw a cat drinking from the cup that spilled. And then the cat died. It's so convoluted. Oh, yeah. Well, so Kenna, Mary's one of Mary's ladies are Kenna, Ailey, Greel, and Lola, and they all have their own bullshit going on every season. So much and bullshit. Kenna's bullshit is in the pilot episode, you know, they watch that ridiculous consummation scene. And it's, I guess, like them seeing porn for the first time. So then they're like, oh, we have to go. And they and always she just goes run and different. in the corridor. She's on the hallway. And, <laughs> and then the king comes up. And this is what I love about this scene is the king comes up and he like puts his hand over her hand, masturbating. And she like leans into it, having no clue who's behind her. And then turns around and is like, and she's like, oh, your majesty. And then he's like, may I? And then they continue. And then they don't have, like, penetrative sex, we learn, for a while. Right. Because. But, yeah, she wants to be, like, his formal mistress. And he's like, I already have a mistress. You know, the one everybody's heard of because she's a real person, Tianta Pachi. There's, like, this hilarious subplot line of that. There's, like, the episode where he has, like, all the lanterns on the lawn spell out Kenna. Christ. And she, like, runs. I it's when so- that happened. It's so funny. And Mary's all like, I'm sorry. You're doing what? You're you're fucking my soon-to-be father-in-law. I'm sorry. (laughs) Who already has, like, a mistress and already fucks all these other women, too. And And has a wife. Who's also, like, the mother of my fiancé. Okay, cool. Cool. Got it. Great. Well, and then Ailey, Ailey dies. That's her whole thing. And then Greer's whole thing is that she is not technically a lady. She wasn't, like, of a, of a nobility standing. She was just, like, a merchant's daughter. So she needs to marry well. And instead, she starts falling in love with, wow, what's his name? The baker? I forget Lathe. his name. Laith, yeah. So they start having a whole thing. Lake, who, by the way, is the most English man I have ever seen. And the idea of yeah. him being French, just like fundamentally, I can't process. Uh, well, like Lola is incredibly English looking. That too, and, yeah. yeah. And she's supposed to be Scottish. Like, okay. Right. But Greer's appropriate husband is actually like Loki, one of my favorite characters. It is this oh, he's man, great. Lord Castleroy, who is titled, but who also is very much involved in mercantile activity, and in particular is a spice merchant, and his main thing is that he deals in pepper. And that is like his his two interests in the world are pepper and greer. And those are it's the amazing. only things he gives a shit about. You don't need more than that. 
she's all like so annoyed about it and it's like i don't know if i lived in that time period and that was the choice i'd be like fine He's the nicest man in this entire show. I'm like, Like, look at the bullshit your friends are putting up with. Oh, well, yeah, and, like, Lola's boyfriend gets put to death for trying to rape Mary because she wakes up during it because she didn't drink the wine. And Lola then is really mean to Mary. Like, that's Mary's fault. And and, Lola always talks back to Mary. And I'm like, Mary is still the queen, you entitled brat. And... Also, I hate Lola your so much. They tried to rape her. That's not on her. And she's like, "Oh, he said he was forced to do it." I'm like, "I don't care. Like, I don't care why." <laughs> I mean, and, you know, I agree with that. But if she wants to try to not be angry at her fiance on the grounds that he was forced, that's one move. But at the very least, just focus on being angry at the person who forced him and not on yeah. the woman that he tried to rape, who was also yeah. supposedly your friend and also like your boss and queen. Well, we get and we get the fun bit where Greer is interested in like this prince. This is he Spanish or what is that? It no he's Portuguese. Yes, the illegitimate Portuguese. son of the king of Portugal, another illegitimate yeah. son who does not exist. <laughs> And he shows up and Greer's trying to hit on him, but he's into Mary. And Mary's really struggling to get Francis and Henry II to like follow through on this alliance promise they made years ago. And so she's really feeling unstable with the state of her country because she's already a queen. And yeah. so she that's another thing. These men are entitled fucks. Like Francis acts like he's so much better than her. And I'm like, she's literally above you though. Yeah. Like she literally has a country like, and you, you don't. You technically have nothing right now. Yeah, you're waiting for your man to die. And so she ends up, he's like, hey, marry me. And she's like, "I all right then. Because Francis finally realizes he loves her. But he's like, because like her, tr- I don't know, like they do a war move. It doesn't go well. And mm-hmm. he's like, he realizes they just can't help her country the way she needs. And they have like this beautiful scene where they like kiss out on like the lawn. And he's like, you should marry... Tomas, is that it? Yeah. And she's like, what? And now you realize they're so torn. And so you think she's going to marry Tomas, and Greer's all salty about it. She's like, I liked him. And it's like, Greer, again, check your status. You are still right. a servant. Like, yeah. And then Mary meets up in secret with Francis anyway, and they kiss, and Tomas's servant witnesses it. And Tomas goes from a perfectly normal nice person in one episode to an abusive monster in the next episode in this like very zero to 60 he has a whipping boy makes it clear he will beat mary once she's his wife so then they decide you know what time to convict him of murder actually and so they like again in one episode Mm -hmm. an elaborate plot happens while they're getting ready for a masquerade ball during the day yes um and and they're able to like prove that he murdered somebody and they have two witnesses they drag the dead body in Pretty well, sure but they, they also no, they him. murder him. Yeah, it's that they have the evidence and they want to bring him in alive, but they're fighting him. And then as they're fighting, it doesn't work, uh, so Francis they kill him. Yeah, Francis. Yeah, I think I think Francis is the one who actually does it, but it's Francis and Bash. You want to talk about like the incredibly offensive portrayal of paganism in this okay, show? Okay, I I do, but first I want to actually get into. I want to actually like briefly explain the Bash situation. 
Oh yeah, yeah, go for it. Yeah, it does lead into the paganism. Go for it. So Mary's cool idea, once she finds out about the prophecy, is well, okay. So I know that Diane de Poitiers is trying to have her non-existent, illegitimate son Sebastian slash Bash legitimized and to then supplant Francis as the heir to the throne. So she says, okay, I'm going to get in on that whole situation, and all, and tells Henry, I'll marry your son. And he's going to be the next king of France, and I'll make the claim to England for you. But it's not going to be Francis, it's going to be Bash. So then we have this whole, like, multi-episode arc of of Mary almost marrying Francis's non-existent, (laughs) illegitimate brother. And then the two brothers, like, fighting over her. So yeah, so we can have this YA love triangle, triangle, and it is hilarious. Well, they have, like, one episode where they run away, and Francis is, like, chasing after, and he's like, Mary! And he's like, What I love about this show is they'll set up these huge plot arcs that end within an episode. So we're Mm -hmm. like, oh my god, they're running away, but then like they come back in the next episode. (laughs) They like jump off a cliff and then And then um, there's like three episodes where it's like, actually, Francis isn't going to be king and Mary's going to marry his brother, and then it's like and never mind. Uh, Nostradamus said that like everything changed and the prophecy's different now. Don't worry about it. We're good. Yep. So I'm just going through the notes. So yeah, then they get back and they're like, never mind. Well, so then we have the paganism. So apparently Diane, Bash's mom, again, um, as someone who like has researched paganism, is friends with pagans, this is such an offensive take, but they do it anyway. They lean into the Christian old trope that pagans are like these evil human sacrificing devil worshippers in the woods and uh we learn that bash is descended from these fucking pagans that are so creepy and violent and bash ends up like there's like yes it's like one man battle he murders somebody because like somebody left a deer's head in mary's bedroom because because he interrupted a sacrifice and so now they're like we're just gonna pick any but somebody we think you like to be the new sacrifice i guess we'll murder the queen of scotland yeah that's their move that's (laughs) the move not anyone else they're like we're going big or not at all and then he's we think he's going to sacrifice this random guy, but then he ends up like sacrificing the pagan murderer. But then when they're riding back, the servant he was going to sacrifice is like, you knew those pagan incantations pretty well. And he's like, tell me who my mother is. And the guy's like, you know, you're Bash, the Diane de Portes son and he's like oh no this guy knows i'm a pagan and so he pushes him off a cliff (laughs) and you're like oh okay okay interesting i don't even remember what's happening in the part where like him and mary do like oh there's someone they were trying to save and they died and so then they like go cut their hands and bleed on the grave together like the pagans used to do and it's like they're so in love sister whose father or cousin or something cousin whose father was a traitor oh yeah right 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 yeah so they try to like make you think mary and bash are in love and like they're so not like she's not in love with him and he's in love with her but she loves francis i mean she likes bash she likes him but but she she obviously isn't yeah. She's in love with Francis. So, I mean, spoiler alert, as is stated in history, she marries Francis. And, and Bash ends up like, with Kenna, 
Which, As wow. punishment. Yeah. Well, like, and as punishment, Henry makes Bash watch the consummation. Ew. Yeah. yeah, and then as punishment, Bash ends up with Kenna, and they both, like, fucking hate each other at first. And then they just have a lot of sex, I guess, and figure it out. And then they're in love. They're both, like... There's, like, a scene where Kenna's, like, I'm not the only one trying to forget somebody in this bed because she keeps thinking about his father and thinking about Mary, and it's, like, ew, (sighs) okay? (laughs) Sure. Yeah. Sure. I will also add in that there are two separate reasons that I find the whole pagan plotline offensive. One is because... uh, uh, you know, there probably were people who are still secret pagans here and there. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and they're probably not committing a lot of human sacrifice. Like, it's a pretty yeah, gross probably. situation. Probably. And the other reason I'm offended is because it's one of those things that it seems like they're doing that as essentially as a way to have the pagans fill in for the actual people who the crown is just sort of murdering willy-nilly, who are Protestants. Yep. Because at least in this season, it seems like even though they obliquely reference on occasion the fact that there are these Catholic-Protestant conflicts, it seems like basically they want there to be a group of people that the crown can murder essentially with abandon that you can say it's okay because they're evil and do these awful things. And I guess they don't want to say that about Protestants because there's like a lot of real Protestants who might be watching In later seasons when they introduce Elizabeth, they very wholeheartedly lean into like fuck Protestant. Mm-hmm. And, like, the former Catholic in me, I am, like, I'll fall for Catholic propaganda and media. I was watching The Conjuring 3 last night and was like, hell yeah, I love the Warrens. <laughs> this witchcraft is evil. I always joke, I'm like, I hate the Catholic Church until I'm watching any horror movie. And then I'm like, yeah, go get them. And so, like, watching anything with Mary, Queen of Scots, I'm like, yeah, take down the Protestant Church. Like, they're so oppressive. Um, and so they definitely lean more into it in um, later seasons. They always show that Mary was as she historically was about religious tolerance and they show that a little in this show that she doesn't believe in religious hierarchy um unless it's paganism and then right that's where it it also doesn't work because historically she was about religious tolerance now would she have been like okay with paganism when that was so demonized back then like no probably not but it's just weird if we're doing it modern to be like and these evil witches out here in the woods and it's like it just was an easy thing to shove in especially since they were trying to be like supernatural with Nostradamus and his wishes. Yeah, like, now we have the evil pagans with their prophecies, but but yeah, you know, I have no dog in this Catholic versus Protestant fight because I'm Jewish, and you know, they... (laughs) You're like, I don't care, you guys can go at... It's like, you you were both both awful to the Jews, so, Exactly, exactly. Uh, (laughs) The moral of the story is, why pick Christianity at all? (laughs) Yeah, I'm teaching this course, actually, right now on anti-Judaism, and it's great Mm -hmm. because you can... students who are largely protestant spend the first chunk of the course which is medieval you can tell that at least some of them are like oh i mean so this is clearly like a really bad element of the history of my faith but it's okay because Mm -hmm. like it's the catholics who are doing this and then i get to hit them with martin luther's on the jews and their lies and they're like oh this this one's even worse i'm like yep sorry 
Yeah, my friend uh, Mar and I were both raised very Catholic mm-hmm. and now, like, I essentially do practice, like, paganism and witchcraft. And we're always like, and that goes out the door the second I'm watching a Conjuring film. <laughs> the second Lorraine Warren tells me witchcraft is evil, I'm like, absolutely right. God is good, Lorraine. Go get him. Like, every, I literally, every time, I was watching, like, I've seen them all a million times. I was watching the third one last night, and when they're like, our love is a gift from God, and God will protect, I'm like, hell yeah. The second I watch any exorcism scene in a movie, I'm like, yes, the power of Christ compels you. (laughs) Like, every time, like, I always am quoting the line from the first one, where he's like, Bathsheba, by the power of Jesus Christ, I condemn you back to hell. I'm always like, yeah. (laughs) Like, it's ridiculous. But yeah, I I do think also this show was just at least in the first season since they were trying to get an audience yeah didn't want to lean into how religious everything was back right. then and the reality of religious intolerance yeah because and just like how so much of the feuds wasn't just about power was about like the idea of religious power because obviously they believed back then in divine right that you were ordained by god so if you think your religion is the one true faith then obviously the people who aren't that religion are not ordained by god they're usurping and so in their Mm -hmm. mind you know mary tudor's dying and she's a catholic and so obviously queen elizabeth is not ordained by god because she's a protestant so obviously i mean by their own rules mary queen of scots should have been queen in my opinion i also just hate queen elizabeth Um, (laughs) and so but like it's yeah so do you want to what do you want to talk about next in this season because there's so much i need to talk about the henry this the uh henry the second yeah that's yeah how they're gonna try and murder him well, but also that he goes mad. Like, oh, yeah, he goes crazy. Like, he becomes a serial killer. Oh, yeah, accidentally kills that woman while having sex against a window. And then he's and... like, oh, actually, killing women while having sex is fun. And then just, like, chokes some, like, chokes what, at least one to death. He goes, like, full American psycho about yeah. it. Like, yeah. and it's like, oh okay <laughs> this whole episode where he's like i think somebody has betrayed me and then like there's one person who is clearly not that person who he just stabs he for fun mm-hmm. he also is like seeing dead people and hallucinating his oh yeah older brother who would turn who did actually he had an older brother who died under somewhat mysterious circumstances and somebody was accused of having poisoned him well according to this it was Henri the second who uh murdered his older brother so he could be king so that's a whole thing no, it's ridiculous. But yeah, they're leaning into that apparently he killed his brother. Yeah. Sure. Why they, not? <laughs> they also really lead into the whole bit in which he is just trying to like invade everywhere in Europe and he's wandering oh, yeah. around talking about this. And then all of a sudden he's like, he's like, I'm leaving for Calais immediately. And then he's like, I am not wearing pants. And it's like, oh, okay. It's like, I, I guess. There's also the excellent little arc involving that where he, on top of all of his various other women, there's this party where there is a, you know, cake that has a bean inside oh it. Oh my God. Finds the bean is the queen of the bean. And according to this, that basically means that like Henry's going to fuck the queen of the bean. But then the queen of the bean that year is this woman, Penelope, who just, like, really leans into it and in particular really leans into, like, doing the a bunch BDSM. of, yeah, like, BDSM stuff, which Catherine manages to embarrass him out of by having Kenna talk Penelope into 
doing like a version of BDSM where he's like, like in the Jesus dominatrix pose. thing. Yeah, where, but he's yeah. like in Jesus pose. And yeah, then, like, on a, a cross. And then like an actor playing a bishop comes in and is like, this is blasphemy. And then, and then Henry is like, oh. Oh, that's, that's he also bad. gets like Kenna to give her wedding ring from Bash to the Queen of the Bean. Like he demands that because because she's just like I want it. And he's like, okay, Kenna, you cool. have to. Get, basically, just this, just constantly going insane. And everyone's like, I think maybe it's time he be dead. Actually, yeah. and they're all like, mm, good idea. And so it's amazing. This is still season one. Yeah, like. <laughs> And we're murdering the king of France, including like that. They try to poison him a couple of times. Uh, I love the attempt to kill him by poisoning the communion Communion wafer. wafer. That's amazing. They're like, oh, he's so Catholic. You know what we got to do? I know. I'm like, you know, I know this isn't going to work because I know what happens. But I'm still like, oh, man, I really want this to be how he goes. Well, there's that amazing poisoning scene with the gold in, like, episode three where those men take the castle and are trying to, like, rape Mary and her ladies, but Elizabeth comes in clutch because she poisoned all the gold. And that's when we do learn that she's a sexual assault survivor, which yes. does come into play in later seasons. Mm-hmm. They Rain is literally, no exaggeration, the only time I've seen a sexual assault narrative done respectfully mm-hmm. in TV. And it's like a fictional assault uh-huh. that happens, but like it, it, it statistically probably she was assaulted yeah. at some point. That's just like being a woman at any time. And I remember they dealt with it very well and they showed Catherine and Mary have a thing where Catherine says, trust me to help you through this because I promise you I can. And then she helps Mary. There's like a whole arc of her helping Mm -hmm. Mary deal with her PTSD. And it's very well done. And just when they showed the scene, they barely showed it. Mm -hmm. And they focused on her face. And so when they make it clear, like very, very, yeah. And at the end of the episode, they had like Megan Follows and Adeline Kane do like a PSA about this. And like Mm -hmm. they shared like the number for the rape crisis hotline and like how to talk about if you have PTSD. And so I I always respected that this show showed her in the beginning Mm -hmm. that that had happened to her. And when she says, I love her line where she says, history is written by the survivors and I surely am that. I was like, oh girl. Like um, there's so, the writing, the dialogue in this show, I think is phenomenal. Like the women have these killer one-liners that they'll just drop and it's, amazing and I love them and just like there's the scene where all the Scottish men like randomly come for a party you know and um they say to her they like bow to her and they say we have waited such a long long time for you to rise and it's just that was a great scene when it leans into this is a show about like this very heroic woman you know like it has those moments where it's like yes we're doing like a teen drama in a castle but then it will lean into like she was this remarkable woman who did all these amazing mm-hmm. things and saved all these people. And I always love the scenes that lean into that and also lean into that for Catherine. And yeah. they only get more and more. And you get so much more of Catherine in the coming season. Oh, so if you okay. like her, that's my big sell okay. that you should watch all of it. Because she gets very prominent in the coming okay. seasons. They were very good at looking at what the fans wanted because it was mm-hmm. very clear no one gave a fuck about this weird supernatural plot line. Right, <laughs> so yeah. So after season, after like, season yep, one, never they're mind, like, never mind that whole situation. Like, okay. There was actually never pagans or ghosts. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Don't worry about it. 
On Catherine, I will say that while on the one hand, the Catherine as poisoner trope is one that to some extent I tend to find somewhat tired and it's like, okay, yeah, everybody thinks she's a poisoner because she's like a woman in Italian. But yeah, yeah, of course. That bit where it turned out that she poisoned those men using the gold was still extremely satisfying. It was also very entertaining that then Mary like stabbed this random Italian count with a fork. Oh, yeah. uh, And murdered him. It's it's amazing. It's amazing. Yeah, she's she's such a complex woman. They both are. And even though, like, the season one is a little ridiculous with their rivalry, it still shows that, like, they're these both very... They don't feel two-dimensional, which, like, so many shows Mm -hmm. that focus on women in general, but women in, like, these positions of power would just, like cast Catherine as the clean cut villain mm-hmm. and she's not she, like you yeah. understand why she's doing it she firmly believes her son will die and like her I mean one he's her son and she loves him and two that's her only like Legacy. purpose in this life yeah was to have a son was to be to have a king and so if yeah. she no longer is the mother of the king then what is she mm-hmm. and yeah it's but can you imagine if someone's like, I've actually been trying to sabotage your marriage because my son will die if he marries you and you're right. like, Right, it's like, there's a prophecy. What? And she's like, excuse You're me. like, my, sooth- my soothsayer bestie said so. I'd be like, are you fucking kidding me? No. Right, and, and <laughs> like, she is like, are you fucking kidding me? And then she gets kind of convinced, right, by the fact that Nostradamus has this other prediction that came true. But the whole thing really is just like so nuts. I love in your um, notes here, you have... By the way, where did Mary get her fancy English dress on such short notice? Yes. They go to a joust, and Mary gets out in this gorgeous red dress. Which has, like, the English English crest embroidered on. I'm like, where did she get this? She's staking her claim. Well, that is another iconic line where Catherine says, I miss the girl you were. And Mary said, many will. She was easier to kill. Right. And it's just, oh, that's like an audio on TikTok now that people use all the time. Well, and then, do you want to jump ahead to how Henry dies? Yes, or? which they, well, <laughs> like, which they, in part, well, do actually get right, that uh, Henry II was jousting, and, man, like, rulers should really learn, like, not to do these fucking, like, jousts and fake battles. <laughs> uh, like, it's a dumb idea. Like, this is dumb. Can you imagine but... if our president, like, if Biden was like, hey, guys, I'm going to go to a LARP, and we're going to use real swords. Oh, we fuck, do I like, wish has spent his presidency doing that? That would have been excellent. Oh, yeah, he should have pulled, like, a Hamilton situation and done like the duel like that's what they should yeah yeah it would have been fine if trump did that during his presidency but what's funny is he does die in a joust like this but actually it was his son francis yes who like knew like oh my father has lost it and so i'm gonna replace the guy he's supposed to joust against who you know will pull his punches because he knows it's the king and instead it's gonna be me and i'm not going to do that and so that is how uh when when reality is like just a you know a freak accident right that a lance smashes and a uh a splinter goes into his eye yeah. And instead it's like, oh, it's his son did that on purpose. That's amazing. That's amazing. Obviously, Greer decides to lean into marrying Mr. Pepper fanatic, Castle Roy, because that's what makes sense Even though he gets titled because he is with, uh, uh, yes, according to this, uh, Francis led the, uh, the successful uh, attack on and conquest of Calais. And, but uh, too late. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, so he gets like a land and titles because he's a hero of Calais. But yeah, too late, too little, too late in terms of his uh, his 
you know, new prominence. Oh yeah, also in Henry's Madness, in his celebration of the victory at Calais, he has a naval spectacle where there are ships filled with the survivors and they're using real cannons and one of them blows up the other. And that's when they're like, oh, we also skipped back during the like three days that Uh Francis thought he wasn't going to be king. He like him and Lola hooked up, and now oh, Lola yeah. is so he, okay. pregnant with his baby. Yeah. And it's like, sh- and, and and that's why and she so- has to secretly marry Andrew Deluca, who it turns out is impersonating a nobleman, and is just like some random secretary. So then she's like, I think it's time to get an abortion, old school. Meanwhile, and like how- no Catholicism, and she's like. It's just like, if only you knew who the father was. And then they were like, you know how we should end the season? The plague is coming, actually. And Francis learns that this is his child. So he's going to go, he's going to go get her and the baby. And Mary's like, what the hell? And he's like, no, I got to go. And the final scene is she says, lower the gates because the plague is coming. And they're like, but the king. And she says, the king knows the risks. Lower the gates. And then, like, that's the end of season one. That's amazing that that's all season one. They put all of that in, like, 22 episodes. They were like, we got to really convince people to watch the show. How much can we get in here? And it is just, like, so many intense batshit plot lines almost none of which have any basis in historical reality. And it's like, with any other show, like, I recently was had a relationship with someone who loved Supernatural, and so I did not, but I watched it with them. And, you know, they pick, like, one ridiculous thing, and that was the arch for this 22-episode season. Mm-hmm. So it would be like, the apocalypse, or we need to stop this demon. Rain has, like... 10 different arcs in a season because you would assume when it starts that the whole don't marry Mary will be the whole arc and it's like actually we need to murder the king but like actually the illegitimate son might become the king actually Mary almost married this violent person who beats people actually um it's actually that it's like it's insane because it's it's just so so much much it's just for a first season Mary also has this like descent into ruthlessness which involves her uh essentially as like this whole plot which involves like stealing Catherine's money but then also framing Catherine's cousin. So, like, somebody else, like, from the Medici family framing yeah. her for crime and having her head chopped off. Rest you know, in peace, Hortensia. <laughs> you do what you gotta do when you a queen. You gotta be making those tough calls. Oh, my God. What a show. What a show. What a show. It's amazing. I remember I was rewatching it this summer and I told my friend Mar who'd seen it once and I was like, I'm rewatching Rain. And she was like, why? And it's like, you sit down and you're like, I'll watch one episode. And then you just keep clicking through them because you're like, oh my God, now what's happening? This is crazy. <laughs> it's It's a lot. So we've already started to touch on the... I would say joyful ignorance of historical reality in this show. But oh, yeah. at this point, let's move into the Vera at Falso section where I'm going to get into a couple other details about that. And yeah. I in particular wanted to start with a number of intense misrepresentations of the Henry, Diane, and Catherine relationship. 
Oh, yeah. Go for it. I'm not as well versed in that. So what's so, up? Tell me. One of the things that I think is actually... Okay, so the way it gets depicted in the show, right, is this just kind of standard lady jealousy, mm-hmm. right? Catherine and Diane mm-hmm. hate each other and resent each other because they both want this relationship with the king. Yeah. Diane de Poitiers is, I think, a really fascinating figure because, at least on her side, that was not the dynamic at all. She was just extremely confident in this relationship. And she, by the way, was like, oh, I don't have the numbers written down, but like, I don't know, 15 years older than him or something. Yeah, I did know that, that she was older. Yeah, so she's older. And she is just supremely confident in their relationship to the extent that, you know, she, I mean, she, she never has this illegitimate son that she's trying to get legitimized. And what? No, yeah. <laughs> Mash isn't real. Mash isn't real, everybody. Oh, no. But also that she very, very actively, Henry, in reality, and this they, pre- they presented as like, once we loved each other. In reality, there is no reason to think Henri ever had the least bit of interest in Catherine whatsoever. Like, he was yeah. already with yeah. Diane when they got married, and he clearly was, yeah. like, not here for this other person. Who, mm-hmm. uh, yeah, I mean, in this, like, Megan follows is gorgeous. Catherine de Medici is not reputed to be particularly gorgeous. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whatever. She, you know, he had, he had a girlfriend already. You know, he was happy with her. But Mm -hmm. Diane actually really actively encouraged him to spend time with, and in particular, have sex with Catherine so that he could produce heirs to the throne. Interesting. Yeah, which I find so fascinating. And that's not quite what the show is delivering. No, not at all. And, you know, and and they do, in fact, have a lot of children. Uh, There's also this bizarre element where at some point, Henry basically in the show says to Catherine, I loved you once and then I decided that I didn't because I realized you were only using me to get heirs. And I was like, that's what the point of your marriage is. It's like, don't you want heirs, you dumbass? That's the point. And also, like, this is the heir and the spare. This is the heir and the spare, my man. Of getting married. And also, exactly, like, very clearly what he was doing in his relationship with her, that very clearly he was having sex with her on the instructions of his mistress so he could produce an heir to France. Yeah, it doesn't quite track, I gotta say. It's not like... Yeah. And as I said, I do find that really interesting because while Catherine, I think, did at least to some extent resent Diana from what we can tell, although not, I would say... I'm not sure there's really particularly clear evidence to say that she resented Diana because she had any personal, like, feelings for Henry, as opposed to because it was embarrassing to be the queen and have your husband very, very publicly have this mistress. And she did after... Yeah, I would be embarrassed. Yeah, and she did after Henry died, basically make uh, Diane like return a bunch of jewels that belonged to the crown and made her give up uh, some chateau that Henry had given her. So Catherine, I do think there was on her side this resentment. But as I said, I find it so fascinating that on Diane's side, there was none at all that just she knew the score that yeah, I'm the one who has this, you know, I have this relationship with him. That's not going anywhere. I'm very confident in it. But I also recognize that I'm not his wife. This is his wife. And that is whom he needs to produce heirs with. And, like, I can, yeah. like, divorce lo- love and sex from this perspective, basically. Yeah. That is a bit different than what the show is. And then we have Bash, who, you know, complete... Does not exist. Work, a complete work of fiction, for sure. Yep. 
Yep, just it's amazing how important he is to season one yes. when he's not real. Because, yes. like we said before we started, it makes sense. Because in real life, her four ladies were all named Mary, and you know yes. we don't really know much about them. So it I makes sense why that for the show to have them not all named Mary. Yeah, so for the show, it makes sense that they would have different names and that you would make up plots for them. That makes sense because that also just you know has no real effect on in the long run Mary's timeline. Yeah. But to just be like, actually, this person who didn't exist was almost the king and almost married Mary. And it's like, no. In which <laughs> Catherine almost nearly gets executed. Oh, right. I forgot all about that. Yeah. Yeah, that was. Yeah. I love when they come into her jail cell and she's just got like just servants. It's like a party in there. She's just like, whatever. Don't worry about it. It's like. Ma'am, here. <laughs> and and that is another part of the dynamic that I think is really interesting is that there's so much more pragmatism in a lot of ways in reality than there is in uh, in this depiction where everybody oh, is yeah. very much you know ruled by their hearts and their passions. Everyone is is just passionate as hell and can't think logically at all. Yeah, that Henri never would have tried to have his marriage to Catherine annulled at that point in mm-hmm. time, and, and he didn't. Yeah, it's been a lo- it's been a long time too. Like that's like that's your plan. Your kids right. are this grown, and you're like, you know what? You and know it's what? It's time to do. Not that fear in the show, but there are an immense amount of children. There's like, yeah, you eight? meet them in later seasons. Yeah, I can't remember the total number. There's at least in total four boys, three of whom will be king of France. Two come, you meet two more in season two. You meet Claude and you meet Charles. They come. Right, we briefly met Charles already because we saw his uh, nine-year-old betrothal situation. Let me tell you, the age jump we get, though, because he comes back, like, already grown, and it's it doesn't make sense at all right. with how little time has passed. They just have, like, this other actor come in and be him. And then Claude comes in and has a very big plot line in later okay. seasons. She becomes a – she's great. She comes in, and she's a very prominent character. And then they were about to introduce – some more of the siblings um, at the end of season four, they were setting up to start mm-hmm. showing her other daughter, whose name I forget. I, I think the one we see get married. Elizabeth. In the pilot. Yeah, so yeah, so we have the brief reference yeah. to Elizabeth, who's marrying Philip II. Yeah, so they were setting up to show her in season five, and then they didn't get a season five. So there's like this meaningless scene in the finale of season four where Catherine's like going to meet with her, and they're, I don't remember what they're talking about, but it ends up not mattering because they were yeah. canceled. But yeah, they. It seems like the children didn't all live there. They gradually start bringing them in in later right. seasons. In later seasons, Charles is like such a brat. And he's like, "What? Francis doesn't deserve to be king. Why does he get to be king? And Catherine's Cause like, because he was born you. first. That's how it fucking Sir, this, works. This is how it's been. We're not suddenly <laughs> creating a democracy out of nowhere. Calm yourself. Wow. But yeah. but yeah, but it's also that like, that's, I mean, but that's another big reason, right, that he would never want to illegitimize this uh, to, uh, to, to annul this marriage would, is because he has, yeah, he has so, so many, kids. many children and there's so much bound up in this, right? It's all of these boys who are potential heirs, you know, one of whom like Henri, the, Henri who becomes Henri III of France, like he's briefly the fucking king of Poland because like, why the hell not? Because he like pops over to Poland, which actually does have an elected monarchy. And he's like, eh? 
Yeah. Hi. Yeah, it's not the same thing as, like, Henry Tudor who had one child who was a girl. Like, right. it's not the exactly. same thing like, at all. Like, that puts him in such a different position, and actually, arguably, it makes it make good sense for him to annul the marriage and try again with heirs with somebody else, whereas it's, yeah, it's the precise opposite with Henri II that, yeah, he has so many children, and he's married, and the girls are being married into these other places, like, in, in like, the same year that Mary and Francis marry is, I believe, the year that... Elizabeth marries like Philip II, the King of Spain. Like whatever, he's not gonna like, don't worry about the it. King of Spain, don't worry by being, about like, it. Surprise, your wife is a bastard. Thumbs up. He's You're like cool just a this, fun right? thing to tell you. Speaking of marriages, though, in this fun fact, I learned this when I was researching her. Um, a lot of people think that. Queen Victoria popularized the idea of wearing white for your wedding, mm-hmm. but Mary actually did wear white for her oh, wedding, and that was on her because white white was her favorite color. Mm. Just she just loved the color white. She loved wearing That's it, cool. and it was seen as a color of death back then, and in, in England and France, but not in Scotland. Mm. And she was like, "No, I don't care." So she did actually wear white for her wedding, and that was like the planted seed of doing that. Huh. And then Queen Victoria made it like very popular right. to do that to wear white for a wedding. Yeah, I do love that we get rid of Henry, though, in season one, because he's so fucking annoying, and I'm really glad I didn't have to sit through him. Spoiler alert, he does show up as a ghost, though, in season two. Of course he does. (laughs) Because, you know, because Francis is haunted. He's haunted by having killed his father. He's like, oh, no, my guilt. (laughs) Because, yeah, I mean, just watching this, as I said, because, like, I know this story, and I knew how Henri died, and I knew also, uh, you know, I mean, everything takes such a long time that I wasn't 100% sure if it would happen mm-hmm. in this season. Though as the madness went on increasingly, I was like, that's got to be part of the climatic end of yeah, this Yeah, yeah. I feel like is that they have to kill him off. Can you imagine if it wasn't? Me. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> they just oh threw it in and then resolved it. We're like, never yeah. mind. Also, the the child the child in the walls never gets mentioned again. Oh, no. And it's dumb. It's just like, she's alive. And it's like, no, whatever. Uh, they're like whatever they there's so many things they introduce in this season that you can tell they realize they introduce too much uh so they're like oh shit better better dial it back Uh, (laughs) yeah but i was definitely like like once like Henri was like i'm going to joust so people will look at me instead of mary i'm like oh thank god he's gonna die uh because yeah no i was died I was really rooting for it when I was like, because I didn't like him at all. I can't imagine anyone did at the beginning of this show. Excuse me. But um, I was, I was, when he died, I was like, thank God. I was like, let's get that going. Because you also, you're just waiting finally for for Mary to be the queen of France. Because that's the whole point is that she was a queen of two nations and almost three. Like she almost ruled so much of the world at such a young age. Yeah. And you know, you're also waiting to see her get back to Scotland in right. later seasons. So I, I remember I was thinking, like, we're going to need to move this along. Right, like, like, already so she can go back to Scotland. Oh, my God. When you get to season two and he dies, it's, like, ridiculous what they do. Because they, like, kind of do what happened, but don't. Because they want to sure. give him, like, a more heroic death. Of course So they, they like, change it, but loosely connect it to reality. So when you do get to his death, it's, like, just, it's so tragic because they adored each other. But, um... I'm pretty sure in the finale, they pull, like, a Titanic, and when uh, she dies, she goes back to him. 
and and they're in heaven together and it is really beautiful I sobbed I was like they loved each other (laughs) like I have this thing where there's like fictional representations of real people that I love like so I think the real life Warrens were like con people but Mm -hmm. when I watch the movies I'm like their love is so pure (laughs) they are beautiful individuals they are doing these people a service and so like did Mary love Francis in real life who the hell knows I don't maybe as like a teenage love but I don't know but in the show I'm like the fictional representation of those two was like ride or die for me for Mm -hmm. years I was like their love is so true they would do anything for one another (laughs) like (laughs) I because the thing is by the time I got to season two I had already started to do all this research so I did know how he died Mm -hmm. and so when they started deviating I was like I see what you guys are doing here he does still die it's not like they make him live for this long time yeah they can't just have like can you imagine if they just changed it yeah (laughs) they were like he's actually been here We're, we're cool we're cool his brothers never became king we're good. Would you want to talk about Nostradamus? Because I know you yes. said at the beginning you had a lot to say. Yes. I don't know much about him, so I'd love to hear. Yeah, so Nostradamus is actually – so it was not uncommon in this period for people to have basically court astrologers and alchemists and mm-hmm. other various kinds of people who had the reputation as being magical practitioners, that there were a number of rulers who had at least some kind of interest in the occult in various ways – Queen Elizabeth mm-hmm. had to John Dee, Rudolf II had a kind of range of people, uh, you know, the Holy Roman Emperor. So it was, you know, not uncommon to have something like this. And Nostradamus is, it was actually the brought to court by Catherine de' Medici. Mm-hmm. And this was because he, so he would publish these almanacs, which were basically things that were like, kind of predictions for the year which range from this is what I think the weather will be like to mm-hmm. this is a good time to plant crops and some of that would be kind of based on just general common knowledge but also to vague predictions about threats to the royal family yeah uh, and so Catherine as read you do this. yeah and so Catherine read this and is like uh my family excuse me and- <laughs> wait hold on hold on hold the phone hold the phone it's like that uh that that joke of like uh, Kevin Hart being like, you're not going to sweep past that. Like you didn't say what you just said. Right. It's like, it's going to rain tomorrow and your son is going to die. It's like, I'm so- oh, hold on. What? What now? <laughs> so she calls him to court and he probably, you know, basically like thought he was going to die for having predicted. Like, cause like there, there are arguments made in this period that predicting the death of a king at least is uh, treason. Treason. It's treason to speak. Uh, you're never supposed to speak yeah, about, talk about it. the death. Of, that was like with Anne Boleyn. Wasn't that one of the things that she had made a joke about the death of Henry? And so right. then they were like, they were like, oh, treason. Yeah. Can you imagine if that was the case now in America? Like so many of us would have been tried for treason because just like I nonstop, we were like, I wish Trump would die. Faster. Oh, yeah. Oh, like same. No, COVID, I would like there, there I would have gone. I would be like, I wish he, my dad constantly would be like, I wish every day I would just, I pray I wake up and he's dead. Yeah. <laughs> like, no, like Brett Kavanaugh got COVID recently. And I'm like, you know, because I don't, you know, because it's like unfortunate when people who are vaccinated die, I hope he doesn't die of COVID. I hope he recovers from COVID and then the next day gets hit by a car. That would be amazing. When Trump got COVID, I was like, here we go. Fingers crossed. Here we go. I was like, I find, I was like, oh, I believe in God again. Because I was like, (laughs) I was like, oh my God. No, that was, yeah. So if you're back then, I also love though that back then, like 
paganism was illegal but then this guy is like oh but i do this uh for politics and it's like right. oh okay never mind yeah, and no, that magic's cool. fine it's cool yeah uh and you know and in reality i would say they're not really that cons- i mean i don't know i mean like that we're getting into the period where they do kind of care more about witchcraft but like in terms of like paganism as like an actual religious practice like it's just not something that they're worried about like because it's i mean because it's not really yeah. a thing i mean like there aren't really i mean as i said who knows what people are doing in the privacy of the they definitely home, weren't like, like in the woods directly outside the castle like that's human what's ridic- sacrifice yeah to, like like a few a few yards from yeah. the throne room <laughs> But yeah, so so Nostradamus gets to be basically kind of Catherine's personal astrologer. You know, she like draws up horoscopes for all the kids and uh, she very much trusts in his predictions. Yeah. The other things I just wanted to note about Nostradamus are that he gets aged down a solid like 20 years in this show. I did hear that, that he was, that they, again, it was a case of, like, we got to make this guy hot, yeah, I think. Yeah, we have to make him <laughs> as young and sexy and as possible, uh, because you know, cause then he ends up, like, sleeping with Olivia briefly. Oh, like, right. Like, Francis's ex-mistress, so, you know, you got to make him hot. They really had to throw that in wherever they could. They were like, who hasn't, who hasn't fucked yet in the show? We gotta, who can we match make? It honestly <laughs> takes a surprisingly long time for Nostradamus to fuck. He gives the energy. Well, yeah, and then they, like, try to say that, like, him and Catherine are fucking, like, that tries to be, like, a rumor. But they, like, so laugh starts... it off, basically. Yeah, because they're, like, they give the vibes of, like, they're just, like, gay besties. Yeah. And she definitely, <laughs> like, she doesn't give heterosexual vibes in the slightest. Yeah, like, I would have loved if they'd actually ran with that. That she was a lesbian? Yeah. I mean, you're that obsessed with astrology and you want me to think you're straight. It's not going to work for me. Especially also because I think that would have been more fun too because, as I said, I think there's every reason to think that, like, neither she nor Henry, like, gave a shit about each other personally at all. Yeah. And I think that that would have been a great, like, yeah, no, I mean, you know, I have sex with him so I can have children. And when I'm having sex, like, for fun, I'm having sex with women. Yeah. There's this amazing scene in season two, I think. It's not a spoiler. In season two where Kenna finds, like, these two girls, like, these servants, like, just hooking up in the hallway. And they're like, oh, my lady. And she was like, what are you doing? And and they think she's appalled that they're, like, having same sex. She was like, oh, no, it's not that. I commend you for that. She was like, you just can't be doing it out here in the hall. And then yeah, she finds this real. book. <laughs> Well, and then she finds that they're reading this book and they're literally reading like some old school handwritten smut. And Kenna's like, I'm confiscating this as punishment. And it ends up like just getting passed through all the women in the palace, this like OG Fifty Shades of Grey. And they're all like, oh my God, I'm not having sex like that. And then in this episode, like everyone low key for a minute is like, wait, you found two women having sex with each (laughs) other? Like, it's like this episode where everyone has like bi panic for a second and it's amazing. But then there's also that like yeah. bit of like Henry like essentially making Kenna like have sex with women to oh yeah no him, which was also yeah, no, a she, whole thing because it came out in like the late teens it didn't or early 20 teens is like there weren't like really gay characters right. but it did a lot of queer coding because yeah. again it was network tv so this was still like if it were to come out now I definitely think if not it would have had a lot of gay characters, mm-hmm. if not some, or if, if not, like, heavily queer-coded. Right. So there wasn't, like, queer-coding in this show, but there were nods 
to the fact that there were gay people. There was also the one reference to that there was this, uh, one of Lola's suitors is deemed unacceptable because he prefers the company of men. Yeah, so and they did like, acknowledge. Did, and everybody's in like, Mary's like, don't you all prefer the company of other men? And Francis is like, I mean, in bed specifically. That's hilarious, that part. Yeah, so it's 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 weird because it's like everyone's technically straight, but it has such gay energy. Yeah. I think Lola was like slightly coded, or not Lola, Kenna was like loosely coded as being bi because mm-hmm. they do then have like later seasons where she learns about women having sex with each other. But yeah, I do remember that scene where Mary is like, don't you all prefer the company of (laughs) (laughs) What? Are you kidding? Like, Yeah. But I will also add in that Nostradamus at least allegedly predicted his own death. I did know that, actually. Yeah, that's crazy. You know, so he he was suffering from gout, right? So it is, to some extent, like, a relatively safe bet. I mean, so certainly... He was just guessing. He was like, I'm thinking this isn't going to pan out for me, actually. And so I certainly (laughs) would not put a lot of stock into the fact that, you know, like, the timing of when he made his will or anything like that. Because, you know, you're ill, you Mm -hmm. make a will, that's a normal thing to do. But he did, allegedly at least, say to his secretary on the evening of uh, like it's like the evening of July 1st he's like you won't find me alive by sunrise and then like he came in the next morning he's like oh no I I didn't you're dead now oh my gosh so wow what a way to go and there are actually like a ton of people apparently I mean not like a ton but there are like people who genuinely like try to read Nostradamus's predictions and like think that they are like true and have predicted a bunch of things that have happened in history which I do not give any credence to but I, I don't either. That's ridiculous. Oh, yeah. But I find it really interesting that he has had that, that he has been that compelling for so long. Yeah. And I, I mean, it makes sense that they were going to try to see in this season, it's like a mix between supernatural and, and politics. They were trying yeah. to see what the audience would prefer because, which makes sense to, because this has never been done before to make right. a show about a monarchy targeted at such a young audience to be like, I don't know if like teenagers are going to want to watch just straight court politics. Yeah. But then we shocked them because we did. We were like, I do want to see these politics because politics between teenagers is insane. Yeah. And so they're in season two, from season two onward, they throw it out and the supernatural and they just lean into the politics Mm -hmm. so it is funny how in the pilot especially it's so heavily like all those like moody shots of her like looking out at the water and she thinks she hears someone behind her and there's a lightning and Nostradamus just looking all crazy and then by season two they were like okay so it's actually just a political show now never mind never mind all of that we were kidding (laughs) Do you want to talk about their dresses now? Oh, yeah. The The material culture of this show (laughs) is crazy. It's so funny. Yeah. So, yeah, they're just wearing prom dresses most of the time. They're just wearing prom dresses and there's these, the like, whole time. And weird gestures super occasionally toward, like, things that are, like, a single clothing element that's loosely inspired on something in actual portraiture. But it's, like... yeah. On top of, like, a weird sleeveless prom dress. I would say Catherine, like, I know I'm not, like, a fashion historian. Catherine was the only one who, out of the women, looked, like, remotely. Like, her clothes were meant to be from... Yeah, like, and again, as the seasons go on, they shift to having the women look a bit more historically. It's kind of like as they age, Mm -hmm. they start dressing, like, differently. But, yeah, there's there's a lot of really interesting interviews with the costumers Mm -hmm. on this show about how this was always an... um, 
a choice to do it like this Mm -hmm. and they were literally like directed to do it this way and I think it's part of the charm of this show is how beyond anachronistic what they're wearing looks and like because even me knows nothing it's it's so fun that they just are like fuck it yeah like the guy and i love that no one cares what the men are wearing like oh, they no. shoved the men in some doublets where like no one gives At a fuck point, about Francis, you he gets these like weird like but when he goes into war he has this like doublet that has these weird like belt buckles at the neck i'm like okay buddy oh yeah and then meanwhile i always love like in literally episode two mary wakes up and the the ladies come in to see her and they're all wearing like different white nightgowns and kenna is literally wearing wearing like this cotton nightgown that barely covers her ass and she's wearing knee socks and I'm like that's literally like less than underwear was back then babe like what are you doing and it's just like their hair's always down they're wearing like those hippie headbands like you know like straight across there yeah kind of always looks like she came Kenna came straight from an American Eagle ad. Or like came Free straight. People. <laughs> Free People is the brand I was thinking of, which is absolutely yeah. where Kenna does her shopping. That she just has this like intense boho vibe. She really does. She, and um, yeah. And then Mary, I love everything Mary wears for the most part. There's like the, there's a lot of times where she's wearing like this high-waisted like high-waisted skirts with these big belts and then like little crop tops right because, or you like, know and sometimes that's there are how like, they dress or sometimes there's like vests that are kind of shaped like something that would be a part of a completely different dress in actual 16th century clothing there's like that one episode I think it's episode one where she's going to talk about Colin and she's wearing like this dress where the skirt starts at like her hips and it's all the way up and then she has like one of those like full body pieces of jewelry that right. like is like hanging and like lo- like literally a full piece of body jewelry and I'm like you know like they wore yeah, in yeah. the 1550s <laughs> everyone's hair jewelry. all the all the women's hair is always down which is like beyond they historically also have inaccurate. like beads in their hair oh yeah yeah beads in their hair well like yeah like episode one they love headbands on this show oh my God, they love so a headband like and it's normal to like not show the women in like bonnets and caps and stuff back then because it just a lot of times I've read that those it is literally like harder to like frame a character's face especially with like the bonnets from back in the day I can also see the like elaborate headdresses as being like the elaborate headdresses that would have been popular as being like kind of a pain in the neck I I can yeah and so like it's it's pretty normal for like people to pull a Hamilton where like from the neck up it's not super accurate but again the fact that this show just fully leaned into who the absolute hell cares what they're wearing again like episode two she's wearing like a flower crown and like this skin tight white lace dress and it's like what's that's why like in one episode when she's like oh I'm feeling straight laced it's my corset never mind that like the corset hadn't yeah. been invented this is actually um, a big pet peeve of mine that people always the corset assume, thing yeah that like the like super tight like uncomfortable restricting your breathing yeah corsets, that those are just a thing that they had in all of history when in reality yeah it's things, a forever thing yeah when in reality like that's really a like 19th century phenomenon the things yeah. that you would have had at this point would have been like basically essentially like a bra 
Yeah, when I went to, I went to my first Renaissance Festival recently, and I do love Renaissance Festivals because no one is dressed like it's just the Renaissance. We're mm-hmm. like, it's the past, and it's also a fantasy world. And it's all the and same. And I was wearing, yeah, and I was wearing a Renaissance dress my friend gave me, no clue how accurate it was. And it was like one piece and then a skirt that went over it that had stays that mm-hmm. laced up. So I was wearing stays. I do have, though, the Amazon corset that everyone bought after Bridgerton, and I did see so many of that there, mm-hmm. like so much much of the Amazon corset and I know for I'm like I don't think we were wearing that back then but also like it was just fun watching everyone's like attempt at like I'm from the past right now well and like in you know Bridgerton came out and everyone had to be like out of the woodwork being like reminder they were wearing half stays back then and then of course like they're wearing it over like naked skin and sure well, and also, like, she says she's wearing a corset, and it's, like, no piece of clothing you have worn up until now looks at all like you have a corset on underneath. Every single piece of clothing that she wears, it's clearly directly next to her bare skin. You can tell yeah, her, like everything about, like, she is yeah, maybe I'm like, wearing are- a bra, maybe. Yeah, like, I'm like, this is skin tight, your natural figure. I mean, though, Adeline Kane, though, is so beautiful, though. Yeah, so whatever she wore in the show, I was like, oh, God, stunning, amazing. And like, a lot of the dresses were ep- gorgeous. They're just uh, oh, yeah. very much not uh, 16th century There's, dresses. like, the one episode, there's the one outfit she wears when she dances with Tomas, where it's, like, has, like, a ruff up here, and then, like, the sleeves mm-hmm. aren't connected right. to the yeah. bodice. She has and so many, like, cold shoulder tops. <laughs> yeah, and she always she wears a ton of like big tool skirts. Yeah, so and like this is when like multiple pleats was big in in the mainstream. It's funny because this also came out at a time when like you could argue modern fashion was not the most attractive thing, um, and so it essentially looks like a mix of like Tumblr mood boards from that era yeah. and prom dresses. Yeah. that's what is no, that's what's amazing. this show. And then the men are just in doublets yeah, and no one and the, gives a fuck. The other thing I will say about the men is that, you know, the doublets are whatever. I don't know. Some of them have some bearing on reality and many of them don't. But the other thing that you see all the time, and this is something that I've seen in other shows too, is that especially the men who are the leads, a real like doublet and like men's, like it would be like over a whole shirt and like the whole setup would like be pretty full coverage. Yeah. And always it's like the men have everything like unbuttoned and like, and whatever, and they're, like, like down blow- to their collarbone. Yeah, they've got these like half open chests. I'm like, okay, dudes. They're always, Francis is always walking around like Mr. Darcy from like the final scene of the 2005 Pride and Prejudice and with like this, his, like, shirt, his loose like, white that shirt. Is, that is basically underwear. You're wearing, you're wandering around the castle in your underwear. Mary's wearing like a poncho in one scene when like he comes up to kiss her and says you should wear Tomas he's literally wearing a knit sweater with holes in it and she's wearing a poncho and I'm like what the hell (laughs) yeah these are the royals they're running the country (laughs) and they look like this the furniture also is similarly baffling and the decor and that it just combined it's like the furniture is just this seems old so the furniture just like with abandon has occasional you know a chair or something that looks like it could be from the 16th century and then also here's something from like louis the 14th versailles and then also here's something that like looks like what marie antoinette would have had they filmed this whole show inside an anthropology the whole show filmed it in an anthropology 
the whole show is the vibes of this looks like the past and for people like me I was like sure like I don't know anything about like I thought Bridgerton looked incredibly accurate until I got like a million TikToks telling me it wasn't and I was like oh I had thought that's what we dressed like back there also is this one scene where Mary and Francis are probably making out. I don't know. But then on the wall behind them, there is what absolutely looks like the classic portrait. portrait of Anne Boleyn. And I'm like, what yeah. is that doing here? Like, of all people. When Claude comes in in season two, she's got, like, that colonial thing where like her tits are like almost practically out all the time like the corset with your mm-hmm. like breasts up here so she's like a she's a few centuries ahead yeah. of the curve <laughs> like no it's amazing it's amazing how ridiculously costumed it is it is and going back and watching it now since like again when it was coming out too like we were just starting to see people start making like historical shows again mm-hmm. And, like, you know, now we've had Outlander and Bridgerton and Harlots and just, and, like, The Great and so many shows where they did attempt to have somewhat accurate costumes. And so it is funny to go back and watch it now after seeing, like, Outlander for years and be like, what the fuck are they wearing in this show? This is not how anyone looked. Like, Yeah. And then the one other thing, actually, that I did want to make sure to note about historical accuracies and inaccuracies are I find interesting the immense amount of like holidays and feasts and celebrations. And there actually would have been like more of them than you would have than you would think associated yeah. with court life and in particular also, you know, things that are coming out of like like Catholicism, especially pre modern Catholicism has so many feast days and like you still see this in some yeah. European countries, right? Like I still remember the time, the first time that I was in Spain doing research and it was my mm-hmm. last day and I like had all these things that I was like going to get done on my last day. And then I got there and it's like, oh, it's closed for the Feast of St. Mary in August. Didn't you know about the Feast of St. Mary in August? It's like, oh, right. That of one. Course, the Feast of St. Mary in August, <laughs> you know, as opposed to the Feast of St. Mary in March. Um, but that like, it's, there really were like a ton of holidays. Mm-hmm. And in particular, the Bean Queen, while the details of it are not quite right, It is Mm -hmm. a version of something that existed where there would be festivities in which there would be one bean in a cake and whoever got the slice of the cake with the, you know, with the bean on the Feast of the Epiphany would be the like king or queen for the day and there would be kind of celebrations set up around that. That's fun. Yeah. And so that would be, that was sort of a real thing. The like, it's only women and it's really to find a sexual partner for Henry for the day is like nothing. Um, <laughs> what? You mean that's not how it went? <laughs> but yeah, but I did find it interesting that like that in particular has connections to reality and that in general, the like amount of events and holidays and festivities I think is uh, a not entirely mm-hmm. inaccurate portrait of what court life might've been like. Yeah, we also have just the whole setup of her being at the convent for that long. Right. Was not no. the case. So that actually should get us into uh, the uh, the Historia at Veritas, where I wanted to get into more detail about in particular what the show uh, does well and not so well about its portrayal of Mary, Queen of Scots. Yeah. And I do think the real emphasis on her, you know, being a reigning queen, especially in yeah. as the show goes on, 
is important, Mm -hmm. but it doesn't actually quite hammer home the fact that this has been literally her entire life, that her father, James of Scotland, died when she was six days old. I think the show does focus too much on her romance, which makes sense. Never mind the fact that, like, yeah, like, in real life, I think, like, you have here in your notes, I think they were probably really close friends. I think they were good friends. I do not believe she was, like, this passionately, madly in love with him. She was in love with being a queen. Scotland Mm -hmm. was her priority. And that's one of the reasons, if you ever do watch the Saoirse Ronan movie, Uh I think they really nail how dedicated she was to that. Because it's, like, she – it's, like, they remember they need to mention Scotland. They'll be, like, right, right, that. And it's, like – And it's, like, she was this incredibly important – tumultuous person Mm -hmm. in history especially in this time of history everything about her existence changed the course of the world and the course of history especially for the western world and for England and Scotland and like Scotland is the way it is today because of her you know people argue that if she had gotten to live and remain queen Scotland could have been free and stayed free Mm -hmm. and so you know in later seasons they do show her go be in Scotland and they get rid of like focusing on the romance but You can tell that was their plan on how to bring in the audience was to harp on the romance. That's something that I often find to be a problem in a lot of the ways Mary is traditionally presented is that there is this kind of narrative about like Mary's assorted like romantic slash marital choices and like that as entirely being something that shaped her reign and her life. It frustrates me and that that's the kind of thing that like nobody would ever tell that narrative about a man. Yeah, they put so much time on her with Francis in France when she was married to him for such a little amount of time when she was, like, a teenager. Mm -hmm. And, you know, again, like, later seasons will show her with Darnley, and she's very epic in that relationship. I think the show does a really good job of showing how smart she was. Mm -hmm. Because she, if you, like, look at, like, just Catherine Medici, like, letters about her that she wrote. Like, she was so intelligent. And she was a great politician. And she was dedicated to her ideas of religious tolerance, which would be considered radical now, let alone Mm -hmm. back then. And... She spoke, like, six languages. Yeah, and she believed she could play all these instruments. She believed in gender equality. She was remarkable. And I think a lot of it is Adelaine Kane's performance. I think she's perfect. I think she's giving this amazing performance for the longest time. Like, it was hard for me to... Like, even now, when I think of a fictional portrayal of Mary, I think of Adelaine Kane before I think of Saoirse Ronan. Mm -hmm. I think Saoirse Ronan was amazing, but it's like I spent years watching Adelaine do Mm -hmm. it, and that's how I got to know who Mary was was through this show and yeah I think it focused too much on her being like a teenager in love than on what a brilliant politician she not Uh only was but like literally had to be because Francis got to still grow up as a child and a rich prince and she was in charge of a country like immediately like you know like you said six days old yeah and not you know not necessarily doing that much obviously in practice being in charge of a country because you know but she was responsible for this nation and then had to rule this nation while ruling another nation Mm -hmm. and I think the show does an okay job in later seasons of showing that Mm -hmm. especially in like season three when she finally gets back to Scotland 
but in the first season, yeah, it focuses far too much on like the love triangle and the yeah. magic and everything. And it's because it's a CW show from 2013. Right. And they didn't think people were going to want to see politics so yeah. heavily. So they were like, how do we make this story f- like a fun gossip Rock. girl story yeah. for teenagers? Yeah. And there are, I think, some interesting elements that it touches on here and there. I mean, I think it touches on the fact that there is this real challenge posed by the fact that she is the Queen of Scotland and she is supposed to ultimately be transitioning into more personally ruling Scotland eventually, but that she has spent her entire life essentially in France, that she was about five years old. There initially Mm -hmm. was actually an effort. uh, Henry VIII tried to have her married to his son, Edward, uh, so she could have married a different sickly king. Uh, yeah oh yeah wouldn't that have been something could have married a whole like array of sickly kings uh but there were so many to choose from back then i know yeah but yeah but then the scottish parliament agreed instead on this treaty with france and she was basically shipped off to be betrothed to francis and she was five he was three at the time and i actually do think that while the like we're having amazing sex narrative that we have in this show. Yeah. And like, not so much. I do actually think the real history of their relationship is kind of sweet in that yeah. they grew up together, despite the fact that from all accounts, it seems like Mary was like gorgeous and brilliant. And Francis was like kind of uh, not either of those things. That's not going to bring in the viewers, though. I, That's I not going to bring him I in. Know. But it seems like, like they got on really well, and she was like always yeah. really like sweet to him. And it's like, that's, that's nice. There's a French movie called Mary, Queen of Scots that I've seen, and um, it leans more into that because it attempts to show her whole life. Mm-hmm. It's a very boring movie. I don't think it does a good job of showing her at all. But she also has brown hair because we can't be bothered to invest in wigs, I guess, in these franchises. And... It shows that, more mm-hmm. side of it. But, I mean, I do love that in this, they have the joke about him looking sickly. And then yes. they're, like, they're passionately in love. It's amazing sex. It's, ama- like, this love could end bloodlines and destroy nations. And right. it's, like, it's bullshit, but I'm so here for it. Every time I watch the show, I'm, like, yes, oh, my God. Go to war for each other. Like, right. knowing full well that's not and the reality. Like, yeah, so, yeah, Henry is, uh, or uh, uh, Henry, uh, Francis is uh, not running off to war. Francis is, in fact, like, absolutely sickly apparently there's like no. accounts that are like uh maybe his testicles never descended i don't know no um, no the sex was yeah, amazing don't are, know what you're like, talking about. definitely very possibly this marriage like it is very possible that this marriage did not produce heirs because it was never consummated yeah and if it was not in a way that would work or right. yeah, like like in this she's struggling to get pregnant and they kind of pull that dumb narrative that like it's her fault that like she's having miscarriages and stuff when in reality he probably couldn't he probably couldn't produce kids like it was yeah. probably like statistically it's more often the man's fault anyway in this so particular case given that he was it not, probably fact, definitely healthy. was yeah it almost certainly yeah it, it, assuming that they had sex at all which yeah again, if they did have sex yeah uh, if, if not case. it was probably like a Marie Antoinette situation like they probably just like weren't really having sex and so then thus was not having kids and to also really emphasize their ages when they got married she's 16 and he's 14 years old Yep, like, beautiful. These are like these are children. <laughs> uh, like him in it's particular, amazing right? That like the he's... show is like is like cast at twenty year olds and was like they're fucking and it's amazing and they're in the and then the like they're in high school in real life. Can you imagine? I know they're like the like... ages of the Stranger Things kids, and in this they're like not only 
are they just a have in this sex? They're in charge of armies. I know. Actually. This, like, and it's like, this, like what? vaguely like sick high school freshman. I'm like, you're you're not having sex. You're absolutely And this not hot sex. girl. Well, that's like if you've ever seen I haven't seen all of it, but the Spanish princess based on the, you know, I, the wonderfully accurate Philippa Gregory book. I have not yet um, made of, myself tackle that one. <laughs> I didn't finish. I sat through The White Princess and that was enough. I just did that because I love Jodie Comer. I have unfortunately read three Philippa Gregory books. Don't know why I've done that to myself. Um, I've read but, two and that has Yeah, been there's a, enough. I saw a joke one time that was like, Philippa Gregory never saw an incest plotline she didn't want to oh run God, with. And, um, wow. But yeah, in The Spanish Princess, obviously, like, when Catherine of Aragon and Henry met, they were, like, he was, like, eight or something. And, of course, they, like, age him up to be, like, this hot teenager. Because they're, like, what are you going to do? That's not going to work for a modern audience. Because, you know, modern – I think it makes sense, though, why they did it. Because, again, a modern audience is not going to be well-versed in the history of how these relations work. So for a modern audience, you show, like, an actual 14-year-old and 16-year-old doing this. You're going to be like, what the fuck is this? What in the Riverdale are we watching? Like, and so, yeah, it's – for the most part, I'm – fine with all the changes they made the only thing that always really bothers me is the Catherine and Mary thing is Mm -hmm. stupid it's dumb I I do certainly understand why why they did all of that the I mean the main thing that I I just like find like slightly infuriating is the existence of Bash I would say and that whole yeah that's dumb and and again if it came out now I in no way think that would be there but because again when it came out I think a lot of the season one nonsense that ends up not existing in uh-huh. later seasons is because they wanted to try and get renewed. They were yeah. like, we need an audience. So it was like buzzwords. They were like, what pulls in teens right yeah. now? And love triangles were huge. So they were like, right. how do we insert that when it didn't exist? We make up an illegitimate mm-hmm. son. The other thing also that I will note in terms of uh, Francis not being such a like sexy adult is that... <laughs> He becomes king, and he is 14, 15 years old, I guess, when he becomes king. And legally, like 15, yeah, yeah. And legally, that's old enough that you don't need a regent, that you are expected, you can you can run armies. You are expected at 15 years old that you can actually sure. rule a country. Uh, and yeah. not saying that is generally a good idea, but that was legally Probably the not. case, and that is normally yeah. the choice that was made. So I think it is really telling that that actually was not the choice that was made with Francis, that Francis was actually given a a regent, that he was not actually enabled to rule independently, which to me also very much speaks to the fact that he was probably perceived by his contemporaries as being like, not even of the maturity or uh, development level that would have been expected typically. Of I mean, and he's age. an immature idiot in the show too. Like he doesn't know what the fuck she's doing. Like she clearly knows how to run a nation and he does not. He's an immature idiot, but he's an immature idiot who is clearly like technically an adult or at least like a young yeah, adult. Whereas it just like, makes sense clearly, that like, he's, he's a child. Yeah, it's they still leaned into like she's more politically savvy than yeah. him because he's clueless. Mm-hmm. And she's like that's not how the world works. <laughs> yeah. But yeah, I I do think that uh, that it is overall I think a really interesting way to potentially kind of get people interested in these figures uh despite the fact that uh the specific choices that are made are yeah, often, a lot like, of historical matters. inaccuracy. Yes. Yeah. It really said historical fiction when it made it. Yes. Uh and I do also wish that it hadn't stuck with the like 
There are things that I really like about the depiction of Catherine. And as I said, I think Megan follows Mm -hmm. is excellent. But I just, like, I find the, like, and Catherine was certainly ruthless in certain ways, but I find the, like, poisoner trope to be sort of tired, sort of misogynist, to be honest. I think everything about her and Mary's rivalry is very misogynistic. It screams a man wrote this, does not know how to have two women exist, two powerful women. You know, the only people Mary doesn't, constantly fight with are the women who are inferior to her. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the other woman that she can just order around effectively. And like technically Catherine is inferior to her because she's a queen consort and Mary is a queen in her own right. But and Catherine doesn't so, agree with that clearly. Yeah, which <laughs> even though that's just not true though, she is. Right. But yeah, I think that whole plot line, I it was just like fun when I mm-hmm. watched it the first time because I never I knew nothing about them. And once then once I knew about them, I was like, it's fucking dumb. Like yeah. rewatching it this summer, I was like texting my friend. I was like, this is stupid. <laughs> and she was like, yeah, it yeah. is. Yeah. So as I said, this uh, this show is really really intensely invested in this kind of romance plot. And mm-hmm. um, so if we can kind of move into the the Fabula Nostra, where we come up with a. Mm-hmm show, film, whatever, inspired by this one, I actually would be really interested, and this is probably the kind of thing that I think maybe would work better as a sort of, you know, moody film as opposed to this kind of, like, frothy television show. But I would Mm -hmm. like to see a show about, you know, this particular couple or about, you know, kings and queens in general that focuses on them as teenagers but not in the like yes. fun sexy gossip girl teenagers yeah. as opposed to the fact that like this experience is terrifying in a lot of ways like mary is like ripped from her family when she's five years old and like taken mm-hmm. to this other place that where you know and she then like grows up there and then she's like 16 years old and is like supposed to like yeah be married and running a and like like married and ruling yeah. two countries like what so I would really love something that's just, like, focusing on how this is terrifying yeah. and weird. I would love a, like, mini series or something that's very serious and just is a bio story. Mm-hmm. Like, just full-on is just her as accurately as they can make it mm-hmm. follow her. Because I loved the movie with Saoirse Ronan, but that does only follow the tail end of her life. Because yeah. this is too much to shove into one story. And I want literally something that commits to following her whole life. Start mm-hmm. with her as a kid, follow the whole thing. And not necessarily having to tell it chronologically, like we can have flashbacks to her childhood, but show it. Show the whole mm-hmm. thing. And I don't want any main character to be a man. I want every man to be secondary. Yeah. I wanted to be aggressively focused on her. Because that yes. was probably another thing that just annoyed me about Rain is we'd cut to these plot lines about the men some of whom weren't real. Yeah. And I'd be like, I don't care what you're doing, Bash. Yeah, like, I don't care what off pagan Bash stuff and your, your mom... Yeah, like, shut up. Like, Henry and Catherine arguing about nothing. So, yeah, I would love that. I just think that would be really fun if they did that. Yeah. Or just, again, try to be accurate, but just lean into the magic. Like, make Mary a yeah. secret witch. Like, just be just absurd. Yeah, one if, you're gonna, the, if you're gonna go one for or it, the go other. For it. Yeah. One or the other. I want full absurdist... Or I want incredibly serious biopic. That's what I want. One or the other. Like, no in between. No in between. The other actually thing that I want is that I want the frothy CW prequel to this that is actually about Catherine de' Medici. Oh, yeah. But that this is the one that actually is more accurate and honest about what the dynamic with Diane is. 
Mm-hmm. I would love that. And also I feel like it would be really fun to also like lead into the like, I don't know, Diane kind of as like kind of a cougar aspect. Um, we do like a sequel. We follow the Jacobites. Like just keep, just do this whole dynasty yeah. in this absurd, anachronistic way. <laughs> but, but yeah, but that's like, I, I would really like, I, I mean, I also like, I find Catherine de Medici really fascinating and I would actually oh, love yeah, her she more is stuff for about sure. her. So I, I would love that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. That would be great. I would, I would watch that for sure. Yeah. So for our estimatio or rating, uh, how would you rate this on a scale from one to five based on whatever subjective criteria you see fit? My subjective criteria is how much fun do I have when I watch it? It was less fun the second time just Mm because I saw all the holes, but I'm trash for it. So I see your rating here. I give it a four out of five because I'm absolute trash. And the first time I saw it, I knew nothing. And I'm also very attached to it because I... And so my life is so affected now by the story of this woman and mm-hmm. I admire her so deeply and I love her and I've spent years researching her and none of that would have happened if I yeah. had not seen the show. Yeah. If I hadn't seen it, I would not care. I would not have done the Her Story docuseries. Mm-hmm. I did. There's so many people I wouldn't have spoken to, books I wouldn't have read if I didn't watch this show. Mm-hmm. And so like looking back, obviously it's a ridiculous, incredibly inaccurate show. But I just adore it. I adore the, the dialogue. I adore Adeline Kane's portrayal. And it got a bunch of young people like myself. Yeah. I was 19 at the time. So this was like eight years ago I watched this show to be so interested in this time mm-hmm. in history and this woman. Because I sensed as I watched it that this was not accurate at all. <laughs> And so as I stay caught up and I watched the first two seasons and I was waiting for season three, I said, okay, I'll go learn who she really was. And mm-hmm. I did. And it was fascinating. And then I rewatched it this summer. And even though I knew all the like, oh God, none of that happened. Her hair was red. It was still so fun. Like I still find mm-hmm. it such a ridiculous engaging. And I think it's a very good time capsule of how network TV worked in that era of time. Cause this just TV isn't made like this now. <laughs> like this, this isn't how TV works anymore. And I always mm-hmm. think it's fun to go watch like very dated network yeah. television, all the fade outs for commercials right. and the very purposeful episodic moods to it. Mm-hmm. And I love so many of the side characters, even those who are fake. And I love Catherine and I think she's such a powerhouse character. So yeah, I even though it's not historically accurate at all, I do give it like a four out of five because I just have such fun watching mm-hmm. it and everything I know about Mary sprouted from me watching it. Mm-hmm. That is definitely very understandable. And you definitely also have like, I'll have like media that we have soft spots for, for various reasons. I will say this show grew on me as I was watching it. I definitely had a couple of episodes where I was just like, what is this? And there is also very much still some amount of my inner history teacher. I mean, she's also, I guess, mostly my outer history teacher. Uh, But that (laughs) on the one hand, I really do applaud something like this for getting people who wouldn't have necessarily, you know, jumped on Mm -hmm. being interested in history, perhaps to like be interested in this historical figure in this period. And I do think that Mm -hmm. there is a lot of value in that. But I also just have this fear watching this that like one day I'm going to get some student who's going to like write this paper where they start talking about About like the illegitimate brother of the King of France. And I'm going to be like, I'm sorry, who? Um, I've always been one of those people where I'll always like the piece of media that so many people think is trash because I'll be like it like for example when Cats 2019 came out and everyone hated it I knew nothing about that musical my brother and I went as a joke and we're immediately like oh 
I love this. And then went and saw the stage show. Mm -hmm. And then we're like, I think I need to know everything about the lore of cats and watched like a documentary on how they made cats. And like, we'll just run our mouths about it. We'll like be like, and my theory about why Grizabella left the Jellicle cats. And it's like, everyone hates cats 2018, but I'm like, I wouldn't have ever even known Mm -hmm. I liked the stage show. Because to me, from the outside, I thought that looks dumb. I don't care. And so the same thing is like, I also just through watching this wasn't just I got interested in Mary Mm -hmm. I just also got interested in the idea of learning about all these women from the past Mm -hmm. and what it meant to be a queen in the western world back then and but yes it is ridiculous it's not like a good show by like technical terms but yeah it is and again it's funny to think how like it was very successful when it was on and it would never get made now like there's no way you pitch this now and it gets past like two episodes yeah, but yeah, so I think I think I'll settle on a on a two out of five. Uh, it is nice. it is it is wild, uh, but it definitely has some uh, some interesting elements uh, as well. Do you as think you're gonna some. watch the rest of it? Do you think you're gonna watch the other three seasons? You know, I think I think I was feeling mixed on that, and I think you have talked me into uh, continuing nice. for a bit at least. Yeah, so we'll, I hope we'll you see. like. Yeah, it gets. It gets more political, and in season three, they introduce Elizabeth. There's still a lot of ridiculous romance. They do still heavily harp on that. There's mm-hmm. more made-up people, but it, it's crazy. It gets even crazier. They drop the supernatural and just lean into, like, these absurd politics, and it's fun. And she does eventually go back to Scotland, and it's a crazy good time. I also recommend the movie with Saoirse Ronan. I, I adore that movie, too, if you want, like, an accurate, serious <laughs> portrayal. That only shows, like, the end of her life. Right. Um, but Saoirse Ronan's iconic. It's an amazing film, too. Also, I will actually just mention my one other thing is that so it turns out in this thing that it's like isn't what really happened, but that I am fascinated with the poison dress trope being presented as like a genuine like problem faced by early modern royalty. <laughs> I wasn't aware that was happening um, so much. Yeah, no, uh, it it shows up a lot in folklore and in like things that people feared, but there is, I believe, no actual evidence that it literally ever happened. But it's in Elizabeth. We have a poison dress plot, and uh, we do have a like hint at it added in this as well. That's hilarious. That that was something they were like, "I'm gonna run with it." Yeah, that's that's gonna be a plot Let, point. Let's <laughs> go with that. But yeah, so it's just like it's just so bizarre. And as I said, I just like have I feel like I have so many just like concerns. <laughs> About people who come away yeah. with this and then like cite things and they're like, oh yeah, I want to write, I would like to write a paper about like Tomas, the illegitimate son of the King of Portugal. And I'm like, I'm yeah, sorry about who? I definitely, I do think it is like one of the fun things of ADHD is hyperfixation where once mm-hmm. I want to know something about a topic or a story, I'll go know everything about mm-hmm. it. Like there's no in between. So like once I see something and I'm like, I yeah. enjoyed that. I'm like, time to spend days. And then in the case of Mary Queen of Scots, I was like, time to make spend a summer making a documentary. Time to interview <laughs> historians about this. Yeah. And I do understand that most people like, not most, but a fair amount of people watch something like this historically inaccurate and are like, oh, okay. And take it at face value. I will say though, I think Rain is so aggressively inaccurate that even people it's like I think it's it's like Bridgerton I watched it and I for sure thought that like for the most part I was like I don't think the Regency is this ridiculous uh-huh. but I do I do think Rain is so aggressively inaccurate and, and anachronistic and over the top that even my dad who knows nothing looked at it and was like I don't think they dress like that <laughs> like, right. yeah, either. right <laughs> Uh, Yeah, I think what for me, it's not like it's the especially with like the political stuff. It's the combination of real things and fake things. 
Yeah. And like the way that they are sometimes interwoven together, which is, I would say, what does uh, probably most sort of set my teeth on edge. Yeah, that makes sense. And like, yeah, the first time I saw it, I knew nothing of the political stuff. So it didn't matter to me. Right. And then, yeah, it's one of those things where upon rewatch, I didn't like it as much mm-hmm. because I, I knew what was wrong. And so I definitely think it's a more enjoyable show if you know nothing about it. Right. If you don't know that history, because then you're like, oh my God, what? But yeah, if you do know the history, then you're like, oh, this is stupid. That's like how I feel with the musical six. I'm like very torn because I think like the whole musical is a bop, but then like Anne Boleyn's song comes on. I'm like, the hell is this? That is this the isn't right one at all. actually that really doesn't work for me. Like it's a very fun song, but that is the one I, where I'm I feel torn, like the portrayal I love, of Anne I really disagree just the, with. Yeah, like the politics, not my thing. I'm like, she's a like, uh, no, absolutely not. Yeah, (laughs) you could just watch the show The Tudors and get the information that that's wrong. And the Tudors, woo, and don't even get me started about the historical inaccuracies of that one. Uh, Yeah, it's not like the Tudors was the pinnacle of historical representation, right? So yeah, and I I adore Six, and that is like that. That for me is like the one really big off note. Like I actually really love the Anne of Cleves song, and I find it really interesting. Oh God, it's so good. And, like, there are things that actually I really like about, about like, Catherine Vatagon's song. I love the finale yeah. song. Yeah. Just six, it's, like, very that cute. song. It's so campy, and I love it. Yeah. But, yeah, that's, I feel, I feel like Rain is very similar to Six. Mm-hmm. And it gets people interested, even though it's incredibly inaccurate. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, I guess, I guess for me, what makes me, like, slightly more, like, about this than mm-hmm. Six is that, like, Six is so, in some ways, sparse in terms of the amount of detail that I feel like you like know True. that you're yeah missing it's like an hour least. long show. yeah exactly and Whereas, this is a four-year-long project yeah so and different. there's like so much detail as I said that you get into into this period and so it's that mm-hmm. it's, yeah I feel like there's just so many plot lines that I'm not sure a casual watcher it would occur to them that like oh no they just yeah. completely invented this I think that's honestly just also a problem just a risky run when like Anything not a serious biopic yeah. gets made. Yeah. It's just sadly like just how it is because mm-hmm. we also just like we don't teach enough legitimate world history in oh, schools. No. So like and we don't even teach our own history well because let me tell you my public school education was so bad that I thought we won the revolution in 76. So when I listened to Hamilton for the first time and it was like 1776 New York City. I was like what the hell? Cuz my education was so bad. Right. And and so like I watched I listened to Hamilton and then I went and saw it and I was like this is news to me. This wasn't on Liberty Kids. I know. Like, like, I it's like this really a bad sign when like if you take like the musical 1776 and Hamilton you would actually get a more accurate version of the oh, yeah. American Revolution than what is taught well, in, some, I, uh, in some schools. I asked a friend the year it came out I asked a friend who went to the same high school me I was like hey because she hadn't listened to Hamilton yet and I was like I have a question when do you think we became a country like when do you think we won the war and she was like 1776 I was like okay cool so I'm not the only one who was very (laughs) off on the date because in my mind the declaration of independence and we win the war same thing because I was not taught well that's so interesting I wasn't taught that anyone but Jews went to the concentration camps it wasn't until I was in college Mm -hmm. and my mom was watching the movie swing kids And she was like, oh, yeah, the Undesirables Act. And I was like, the what? So, like, I think the thing is, if is, yeah, something like this is so inaccurate and most people aren't going to know it's inaccurate. I certainly didn't. It's not like I sat down and was like, oh, yes, I come into this with my wealth of French and Scottish historical knowledge. (laughs) Right. 
They should just start putting like disclaimers in front of the show. That's right. Like, this isn't accurate. Like, no, no. That, would, that I love it. They just like flash at the bottom of the screen, like a little like red X every time something like particularly egregiously inaccurate happened. I think there are scenes of this show that are about as accurate to her life as like how how George R. R. Martin says Game of Thrones is the Wars of the Roses. Like, it's about the same level of accuracy that's saying that sentence. Uh-huh. Whenever that man said that, I was like, shut up. Right. I would see, like, all these things where people would be like, Daenerys is Henry VII. And I was like, no, no she she's isn't. not. Uh, Stop it. Yeah. I mean, it also, you know, my my pet peeve with George R. R. Martin is that he's always like, well, we have to depict, like, tons of rape because that's just what was happening constantly in the Middle Ages. And I'm like, actually, there's literally no evidence that rape was more uh, common yeah. in the Middle Ages than it was now. So, you know, maybe you should say every time you make a movie about a college campus, you should be required to depict yeah. a rape because it's That would be more happening. accurate, yeah. honestly. Like, my thing with him is I don't like him at all. And he, like, hates his fans. Like, he'll be at conventions and be like, I hate you guys and I hate your fan fiction and I hate this. And it's like, shut up. Right, and he had this whole thing where he was like, my fans guessed the plot line that I was following. And I was like, I don't know, should I I change it? it? Like, fuck you, no. I'm like, you're an idiot. And that is the thing with the history, too, of the shows is, like, I'm still, and again, like, as, like, an average person who doesn't, like, have historical training besides, like, the random things I chose to learn about – like, we, I recently read Henry VI Part One by Shakespeare. Mm-hmm. I don't know where I thought Joan of Arc existed in history, but I had no idea it led into the Wars of the Roses. I didn't know that's, like, where she fit. Mm-hmm. All I knew was, like, the past castle times. Mm-hmm. Like, and I think that's the thing with Rain is they do tap into the mm-hmm. idea that to most of us, we don't even know how to separate Middle Ages from Renaissance era. We're just, like castle times right the past like, yeah rain basically feels like a renaissance festival oh yeah it's, it absolutely we're all does. we're all pretending I, like when i went to the festival i was like am i on the set of rain right now like right. it was just the old timey enough yeah exactly you're like, yeah. and like simultaneously you know i have this like grumpy medievalist thing where a lot of the things that tend to be associated with the renaissance are about are sort of fundamentally wrong and there are a lot of continuities as well as changes if you're going from the medieval yeah. period to the early modern period But on the other hand, it is also just an endless source of frustration for me that there are all of these things that are just like, yeah, so everything was the same for this period of like a thousand years, I think. Yeah, I think that shows, though, I think I always say everyone is like the one thing they're allowed to be like incredibly pretentious about because it's the thing they know the most about. So I like I went to school for poetry specifically. Mm -hmm. So I'll be like not judgmental that much at all about like any form of writing. And then the second it's poetry, I'm like, well, actually, guys, uh, the reason like and so I think everyone has like their will actually. And so I definitely like totally get as a historian watching things like this and being like, no, that's not how. Whereas, like, I fully understand that I went into rain being like, I don't know shit. Let's right? watch the show. Yeah. And, like, and I remember the girl I was dating at the time and her roommates, we'd all watch it together. Mm-hmm. And it got to the point where in the last two seasons, we were, like, Googling the history. And we'd be like, all right, that happened. That didn't happen. Yeah. Like, it became, like, a bingo game. Because in the later seasons, it's it starts being more accurate uh-huh. than not. 
But we had like known that season one and two were so off the rails that it got to the point where halfway through season two was when I started researching. Because mm-hmm. I, I was like pretty sure Bash wasn't real. So I was like, who did Mary marry? And I was like, all right. I was like, that's yeah. what I thought. And because there's like, these things like, you know, I mean, so, uh, you know, I'm watching it and there's like the bit where like this, you know, random Italian count or whatever, like late, like takes over the castle. And I'm just watching this and I'm like, I mean, I know that there was like that, like, France was like at war like that there were like this was the period of like the Italian wars I'm like I don't think this happened but like did this happen and I'm like I resent that I had to google that the way that that's a one episode problem of course it is but it's the way that that's a one episode issue yeah it's just so fun they're like our lives are in danger no they're not we killed them never mind we killed everybody we're good they're like, there's hidden passages. We are going to mark them with chalk and get the hell out of here. And they're like, we're never going to mention that again, actually. Yeah. Don't worry about it. I love the chaos. It's so fun. Yeah. Yep, that's it. <laughs> yeah, so that is rain. Rain, that's rain. So, Molly, first of all, uh, thank you for bringing, me, uh, bringing this to me. So thank you so much for, for doing on. this. And are there places where the listeners could find you on the internet? Oh, so I'm an an indie author. I have a illustrated poetry book co-authored by Marcy Ruiz called Not a Myth that's mm-hmm. on Amazon and cool. uh, my debut novel, which is a vampire romance novel Fun. called Bite Back, comes out on November 8th. You can pre-order it on Amazon. And um, I run a virtual theater troupe on YouTube called Theater But Better. Mm-hmm. And we do Shakespeare cool. and cult classic media. And then literally on just all social media, I'm Magical Molly, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, YouTube, all that. Thank you so much for awesome. having me do this. When I found your podcast and I was listening, I immediately was like, I hope she talks about rain one day. Since And then I was like, I think I'm going to, how do I get in touch? I'm going to yeah. suggest she talk yeah, about no, rain. Thank you so much for getting in touch. This was uh, this is a lot of fun. And uh, I, it was so yeah, fun. And I don't know if I would have gotten around to tackling it or when I would have gotten around to tackling it. So. Yeah, and I, I always love talking about this show, like, with, uh, when I got to talk about it with, like, Dr. Anna Groundwater and Kristen Poles-Walton with, like, historians. It was, it's always so fun to hear yeah. a historian talk about the, like, absurd portrayal of that point in history that yeah. they study. So, yeah, this was super fun. And it's Halloween while we're doing this. So yes. happy Halloween. Yes, happy, happy Halloween. This episode's probably going to be out in, like, January, so happy Halloween, I know, but everybody. It is still fun when you were like, oh, next Sunday. And I looked at my calendar. I was like, just so I'm sure Halloween, correct? Right. <laughs> like, yeah, Halloween. <laughs> yeah. So I'm like, yeah, no, I'm uh, just like in like deadline hell right now. And so I have no idea what no, anything yeah, is. Makes so sense. Makes sense. But I'm excited for whenever this comes out to hear just this endless spiel about this yes. absurd show from many moons ago. Yes. So if you have enjoyed this podcast, please subscribe in your preferred podcatcher app and rate interview Media Evil on Apple Podcasts. I'll read new five-star reviews in future episodes. Please also follow the podcast on Twitter at Media Evil Pod and join the Facebook group. And you can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Sarah If Decker. And if you have any questions or suggestions or including would like to suggest something else to cover on the podcast, I'd love to hear from you via email at media.evilpod at gmail.com. So Molly, thank you again. Thank you so much for having me. And thank you all for listening to Media Evil. Bye. Bye.